to another episode of Splice Together. Together. I'm Michelle. Did you just die already? This is hard enough for me. And I'm Harper. This is a great big 14-mile tombstone with an epitaph on it that nobody's going to bother to read. This is our monthly roundup. <laughs> Where we will be discussing a variety of films that we watched this month. Not every single one because yeah. some of them are Boy, boring. October was a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, we're just paring it back a little bit. Well, this is November. I know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, October was like crazy. It's like Harper. It's November now. But also, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, and then for our mini segment, we'll be talking about best food scenes in film. Because, you know, Thanksgiving just happened and food is on our brain. True that. Do zombie films count as food movies? Absolutely. Brains. <laughs> and you um, send your parents brains. All right, brains on a three brains, by five card. Brains, brains. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll just jump straight into it with our first film. Sure. Uh, so uh, first on the list is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. The Wolf. Wolf of Snow Hollow, which came out in 2020. Uh, who directed this? Let's Jim see. Cummings, Cummings, who also is in the film. Um, so this film was about a police officer struggling not to give in to the paranoia that grips his small mountain town as bodies turn up after each full moon. Basically, everyone thinks there's a werewolf and he doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like a twist on your average horror movie where, uh, one person knows it's a werewolf and everybody else thinks that that's crazy. Yeah. The main guy is thinks that it's ridiculous that everybody <laughs> else is 100% sure it's a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> and so this movie also stars Robert Forster, which I'm guessing it's his last film. Yeah, I think so. It's a very limited role, so I feel like he must have been sick during this. Possible. Uh, I don't remember anybody else looking familiar. I can't Do you? remember. Um, might have been somebody. Well, yeah, the woman, the the woman, his partner was kind of familiar, but I don't remember what from. Ricky Lind Lindhorn. Yeah, she's in Knives Out. She was the right. mom of That's the right. Satan child, the Nazi. <laughs> the Nazi baby. <laughs> That's right. Um. So, what did you think? Um, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Uh, I liked the setup, and I thought the murders were really good. They're mm -hmm. horrific and scary, and well done. Um, oh, it also had that guy in the beginning. From the the dick show on Netflix. The dick show. With oh, the penis yeah. drawing or whatever. Yeah, what was that show called? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, yeah. It was like a fake mockumentary yes, about a, I forgot about that. That was really a guy funny. who draws a dick uh, Yeah, he's like the, the first survivor in the beginning. He's yeah. a witness. <laughs> um, I think some of the comedy worked for me. There mm -hmm. was definitely, definitely a fair amount of things that were really funny, but I will say most of those were in the trailer. Yeah. 
That's what um, my issue kind was. Of disappointing. I thought there would be more comedic parts, but mostly it was like stuff in the trailer, and it felt kind of like like there are chunks missing of the story. Yeah, I had that problem too. The whole movie just feels sort of uneven. Yeah. Um, like I'm not gonna spoil it, but at the end, when you do find out who the killer is, I just kept thinking like. Am I supposed to remember who this person was or like did they was there something I missed? Like it really feels like especially when they reveal like how the person was doing the murdering, yeah. how they were or were the not murdering. a werewolf. Yeah. Um was not like it just felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like it doesn't seem like there were clues leading up to it unless I yeah. just really missed something major. Yeah, I think that's the worst part of this film is the editing. It's very inconsistent. And so yeah. there's like plot lines and character development that you don't get that feels like you should have and you just never saw it. Definitely. So I think if they had worked on around that, it would have been better. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's a writing thing or whether they just edited it to be a little bit more like zippy, you know, to be yeah, really Yeah. And fast. we also don't know if Robert Forrester passing away right. that could have had an issue. That's with very, it. very, very true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Robert Forster's fantastic. I yeah. I wish he was in it a lot more. And I don't know if that's because he died when they were filming it or he was sick or, or what. Yeah. But um, yeah, I really liked his character. There's that one line when he's like, uh, they're like about to go out and hunt for the killer. And he's like, I'd ask you to pray with me, but I can't because of the goddamn lawyers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought <laughs> but that was again, funny too. Trailer. Yeah. He's in the trailer. Um, but yeah, it was okay. I gave it a three star. I forgot. Did we rent this? We did. We paid okay. to rent it. Yeah. Not sure if it's worth paying for. If it ends up free, maybe watch it. But I only gave it three stars. Yeah, me too. All right. So our next film, Beast. Not The Beast, which threw me off. <laughs> uh, so this came out in 2017. It was directed by Michael Pierce. It stars Jesse Buckley and Johnny Flynn. Um, Jesse Buckley, Michelle's favorite actress. I've seen a lot of her movies this year. It's true. But if you don't know who that is, she's from Chernobyl as the awful mom slash wife who lets go see her uh, dying radiated husband mm -hmm. and endangers their unborn baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, that's not what this not movie good, is. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Beast, um, it's about a troubled woman living in an isolated community who finds herself being pulled between the control of her oppressive family and the allure of a secretive outsider suspected of a series of brutal murders so yeah that was okay <laughs> i liked it better than no hollow yeah i did too um it's kind of like a crime thriller mystery not really a comedy or anything it's funny because i had the exact opposite issue with this as i did with snow hollow there's snow too hollow much yes <laughs> snow hollow felt like it was too short things were cut out that would have made it make more sense this felt like it was super interesting and fascinating to me except it was just really it felt really long yeah it does get dragged out a little bit um i'm trying to think like yeah, it's kind of just all focuses on their relationship, I guess. And she kind of has a troubled past and they kind of go into it. I'm trying to remember now. It's been a while. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm trying to think. This is the one where she accidentally or or maybe not attacked somebody when she was a kid, right? Oh, yeah. She like 
tried to kill someone in their sleep. <laughs> sort of, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think it was an accident. Like a bully kind she of like, thing. yeah, right. went after a bully. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because it ends up that the like this is the other issue with it is that it's not really clear what the story of the movie is until you're like yeah. halfway through, and then you realize, oh, this is a story about two sociopaths. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I agree. But it takes a long time to get to that point. And up until then, you're just like, I don't really understand. Like, it's hard to say, like, like what's pulling one it, scene yeah. to the next. <laughs> like, I'm not sure why we're still following these characters. Yeah. And I think I wrote in my review of it that I wish there had been a bit more mystery surrounding the actual, like, murders and stuff. That's kind of just, like, yes. off on its own doing whatever. It kind of comes into play, like, when one of them is suspected of it. But... Uh, yeah. other than that it's like well it's how they meet too yeah she's basically covering for him even though she doesn't really know him yeah yet. as alibi for him um yeah i mean the movie's really well shot and it's super interesting but yeah to me it's it's way too long and doesn't get to the point until too late yeah um i gave it three and a half stars i did too i think it's on shutter it is shutter and canopy whatever that is <laughs> your local library With a K. <laughs> So, yeah, I would recommend this more than Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah, I mean, very different movies. Yeah. This is not a comedy at all. No, it's not. <laughs> Nothing funny about this one, folks. Yeah. Um. So I think the next movie I watched on my own, which... Michelle, let's, let me just, let's just preface <laughs> by saying I had to work a lot this month. Yeah, I found myself with a lot of free time. Uh, yeah, a so lot of free. Time. There's going to be a good chunk of these that I didn't, I can't really comment on. So yeah. I'll, I'll ask you probing questions. I'll try to keep it limited. Yeah, though, do your thing. So it's not like too boring. Well, this one I barely remember, but uh, I watched Emma, which came out in this period. year, 2020. <laughs> yeah, Emma. Period. Um, it was directed by Autumn DeWild, which I don't think I've seen any other stuff. But this might be a debut. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, so it's the Jane Austen, right? Book. I think so. Is it? In 1800s England, a well-meaning but selfish young woman meddles in the love lives of her friends. So this stars Hello, Anya Taylor-Joy. Also, Johnny Flynn. I was like, is that the guy from Beast? <laughs> like, right after watching oh, yeah, Beast. <laughs> he keeps popping up. Yeah, and he's... What is he in? Uh, he's going to be... Oh, he's David da Bowie. He doesn't look anything movie. like David Bowie. Hi, I'm it David doesn't Bowie. even sound like David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yes, it is Jane Austen. Okay, yeah. So, this has a bunch of... Like, Bill Nye is funny. Bill Nye? Bill Nye? Uh, Nye? <laughs> Uh, so for me, I kind of find it, found it hard to follow, which I don't, I don't think it, I guess it's just because there was a lot of characters and a lot of like little side plots going on. So it was kind of hard to keep up with like who's dating who or who's rich and who's not. There's not like a very well-defined Mr. Darcy is what you're saying. Well, Johnny Flynn is kind of the Mr. Darcy. Okay. They're like childhood best friends and they're kind of interested in other people. And then, you know. But wait, you were right there in front of me all along. <laughs> How old is Anya Taylor-Joy? I always feel like she's like perennially 14 years old. She looks young, but I don't feels think very she's weird, 14. Which feels very weird for a uh, dude from Beast to be dating her. I feel like they're probably around the same age. Uh, I almost said 31, but that's not, she's 24 right now. Hmm, okay. So that she was probably like early 22. 20s when they filmed this. Yeah. Um. 
she's definitely good in this and i really liked all the uh costumes and stuff i wouldn't be surprised if that gets nominated for whatever limited oscars there are this year yeah maybe we should do a prediction episode (laughs) it's like "Mm, birds of prey i'm an invisible man (laughs) uh but yeah for the most part it just felt like it was all over the place and i didn't really enjoy it that much so unlike Pride and Prejudice, I was say, and how does it compare to like Pride and Prejudice and it's not as clean. Love and friendship, and uh, I liked Love and Friendship more. That was okay. easier to follow. Mm-hmm. All right. What about what was the one Little Women? Uh, I don't think that's the same person. No, but same sort of. I liked Little Women more. Period, so this is kind of at the bottom of period pieces for me. So the period at the end did not help. No. Maybe it should be the exclamation point. Emma! <laughs> what if it was a question? Emma? Emma? <laughs> Semicolon. Emma? Yeah. <laughs> I did think Bill Nye was funny, though. He was a good uh, Bob Odenkirk-related <laughs> character. Okay. He's very uh, neurotic and a hypochondriac, so he's constantly obsessed with, like, drafts in their house. Mm-hmm. And, like, he makes his servants, like, surround him with uh, room dividers and stuff to keep the draft away. So is he like, we're not paying this fire coal this coal <laughs> fire to heat the whole neighborhood kids yeah <laughs> okay. but he's more worried about dying i guess gotcha. uh so it's fine but for free i guess it's worth watching if you like period pieces yeah it's just at the bottom of my list but i know a lot of other people liked it more so hmm. i think it's probably hit or miss depending on what type of mood you're in yeah so yeah emma uh three stars all right so the next film that we watched was His House. Aw, uh, snap. Which came out this year. We watched a lot of 2020 movies this we year. Did, yeah. This um, yeah, this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what day it is anymore. Uh, so this was directed by Remy Weeks. Um, a debut, I believe. Yeah, I don't see anything else listed on Letterboxd, at least. I don't know if there's TV. But it's on Netflix. I guess it was produced by Netflix. I don't see their little symbol on it, though. Maybe I think not. Netflix distributed it like they have an exclusive license to it. Yeah. So this is a horror movie. It takes. Pl- it follows um, the escape of a war-torn South Sudan couple who are trying to adjust to their new life as refugees in a small English town that has an unspeakable evil lurking beneath the surface. Or does it? It's hard to say. So I don't know the guy. Matt, Matt Smith is in it as like the refugee coordinator person yeah um and the wife we know from lovecraft country. lovecraft country i was trying to remember what her name was though i don't remember she's the sister who, who yeah. has the whole thing is where it one me mosaku woman. i think that's her i'm not sure i don't recognize the name um but yeah i don't know the guy yeah i don't think we had seen him in anything before that i can that i know of soapy durisu sophie soapy it's s-o-p-e soap I don't know. I don't know. If you're from Sudan, let us know. Yeah, because I'm really bad at everything. I'm bad at talking. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the movie, though. Yeah. Well, I was trying to get the the, pronouncing people's names. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm setting it up (laughs) badly. Go ahead. Well, you can. You uh, you pick this. I love this movie. (laughs) I thought it was great. Um, It's kind of incredible to me that. And maybe this exists and I just haven't seen it, but that I've never seen a horror movie about the real life horrifying experience of not only escaping a war-torn country yeah, in various awful things happening in that 
regard, but then the trying to live in a new country where you're under constant scrutiny and you can't complain by everybody. And, and yeah, and you have to act like no matter what happens, yeah. that it's the best thing that's ever happened to you. So you don't get kicked back out to where you came from. <laughs> yeah. And so this is where one of the issues I had with the movie came up. I did like it a lot. And mm -hmm. um, I really liked the set designs and like the transition between scenes and stuff with the like very cool. spirits and ghost people haunting them. Yeah. Um, but I did feel maybe I should save this to the end because it might be a spoiler. <laughs> okay. Well, I can say Well, some the more thing stuff. I kind of wish it was more like the house was like the hauntings going on was related more to the house than personal stuff. I disagree. Okay. I think that's why it works. Because it's otherwise it's just oh it's about a haunted house. I just feel like for the situation they're in as refugee refugees living here that it would have been more like they really can't say anything and it's like they didn't no, do anything see, to deserve that. this. Well, keep that on the download because maybe yeah. that's your script. And you can write, <laughs> that's a good idea too. I agree. That's not that wouldn't have been a bad way to take this, but I think it's about something different. It's about yeah. it's more about personal. There's a twist that I don't want to spoil. Yeah, but it is about. Uh, the hauntings are related to something bad that happened to them and or that they did yeah. in order to escape Sudan. Yeah. Um, but uh, I thought this reminded me a lot, uh, weirdly enough, of The Ritual, another Netflix horror movie from a couple of years ago. Um, not Is that the one with the giant like elk? deer thing? Yeah. yeah. Not, not necessarily because of that or even the subject matter doesn't really have anything to do with it, except that it is kind of a post-traumatic. Both movies are kind of PTSD yeah. horrors. Um, the way that that movie, that the ritual did the whole thing where like the guy's friend got shot in a convenience store. So he kept having these weird, like surreal nightmares where like the aisles of a convenience store were in the forest where they were camping. Mm -hmm. Um, this had that too, where like suddenly they're at the dinner table and you pull out and you realize that they're like floating on the water. Like they're yeah, still, that's the transitional stuff. Yeah. That like. stuff's fantastic. Um, but uh, to me, the idea of this was a really fascinating and scary one in like, how do you balance proving that you're integrating into this new country while not denying and forgetting your own yeah. like cultural heritage? And it's like, uh, you know, I'm very thankful yeah. that I don't have to be put in that position because that's scary, very scary. I think it was also good how they kind of separated the wife and husband where like the wife was like, all about remembering and their culture and then the husband is like no we're not gonna like he's eat like going our to food. pubs and yeah. trying to and like, and, like dressing, cheering like, on soccer teams people. and stuff right yeah so that also creates a divide already between them yeah which comes more into play with uh -huh. their struggle with the spirit stuff yeah and the horror stuff is really good I mean, we haven't even really talked really about that yeah it's really creepy when like is. the first like they're they're in this like really rundown public housing area in mm -hmm. london and so there's a lot of um in london uh <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of like holes and the house is falling apart and like as he's like peeling back wallpaper they start seeing like these eyes like right. in the like wall and you hear stuff walls, yeah yeah and then like matt smith who is the uh kind of caretaker for them comes over and he's like is this rats <laughs> well it's like it is there's a little bit of like what you were saying in that he, him he brings somebody else there and they're like 
suspecting that the guy is kind of crazy. And yeah. That they may have to send him back because like he's literally tearing holes in the walls and yeah. stuff and claiming there's and rats then in I, the walls. I really like that scene where he goes to visit them in their office requesting a new house mm-hmm. and he like breaks the glass in his hand. He's just like smiling like a crazy person. Yeah, like, he's trying to look. He's like, no, nothing's wrong. Like, yeah, yeah. He's obviously he like hasn't slept in like four days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I thought all of that was good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I think this is highly recommended. It's uh, probably my favorite horror movie of the year. I'm, I, I'd I still have to go like back Invisible Man more probably. Yeah, Invisible Man's really good. I'd have to go back and look. This is definitely top. Yeah. You know, pretty high up on the list of movies for the year and definitely for horror movies of the yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, I'm really surprised that, like, I saw a couple horror critic people talking about this on Twitter, but otherwise I haven't really seen a lot of talk about this, which is surprising. Yeah, I think I heard about it a little bit when it first got added to Netflix and then, it, like, all Netflix stuff, it kind of died off. Yeah. yeah. People stopped talking about it after a day. Yeah. I think this is well worth your time. Yeah. I gave it three and a half. I gave it four. But yeah, check it out on Netflix. Yeah. His House. So next up, we watched Romeo is Bleeding. Yeah, this is a movie we borrowed from my buddy Mark. So this came out in 1993. It's directed by Peter Medak. Director of The Changeling. Thanks for saying that because I was about to look it up. (laughs) Um, But this is a story of a cop who wanted it bad and got it worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Uh, A corrupt cop played by Gary Oldman gets in over his head when he tries to assassinate a beautiful Russian hit woman played by... Lena Olin. Who is a total badass and I love her secretly in this movie. (laughs) She's crazy, but in a good way. (laughs) Gary Oldman is awesome, but she is the most interesting part of this movie for sure. It's like they say on the back of the box or whatever that she's the ultimate femme fatale and I was like, okay, you know, they always say that. Yeah. She really is the ultimate femme fatale. Yeah, she's amazing. Super like (laughs) seductive and, but also terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) She's like incredibly frighteningly violent. There's this scene where, okay, so Gary Oldman, she double crosses him for like the third time. (laughs) And so he, I think he shoots her in the leg or arm. I think it was her arm. It's definitely her arm (laughs) because some more stuff happens with her arm later. (laughs) Um, And handcuffs her in the back of the, the cop car. She makes him wreck the car with her legs. Yeah, she, she like strangles. She's him. like strangling him around the back of the. It's not. I guess it's not a cop car. It's like a, his yeah. car, whatever. Um, she's like Xenia on a topping yeah. him from the back seat <laughs> until he wrecks the car and flips it or whatever. He's like unconscious and bleeding. She's all messed up too. Yeah. And she kicks through the front window. Remember, still handcuffed and shot. <laughs> yeah. Kicks through the window and like crawls out with no hands. With heels still on, which yeah, she kicks like, off. all bloody and like, stuff because yeah. there's glass everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and escapes. It's like, that's one, I, that scene I will never forget. It was yeah. super <laughs> crazy. Um, so yeah, she's worth watching this film just for her totally. character. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought this was really good. It's a really unique movie. Yeah, I'm a little surprised we've never really heard about it before. Yeah, for sure. Because it's definitely like one of the better 90s crime movies definitely. out there. It doesn't follow that 90s crime movie no. thing at all. Music-wise, and maybe some of the look of it has a little in common with some of those like, yeah. you know, Along Came a Spider and that kind of stuff. But plot-wise, not at all. Yeah. This is like a extremely violent, over-the-top, like gonzo version of like a a film noir. Yeah. And you have Gary Oldman like narrating this whole story too. Very unique narration too, where he's like 
yeah, talking about himself in the third person. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. He like owns a bar and he's telling, telling about this guy who comes into the bar once a year and like, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, um, Gary Oldman. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and Gary Oldman's great. Like he always is. I mean, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought this was great. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And the music's really cool too. Very jazzy. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's streaming anywhere. No, this was, we watched this on a Blu-ray that my friend Mark lent us, uh, I think is a Twilight Time Blu-ray, which that company does not exist anymore. <laughs> so this is mega out of print. Yeah. Maybe, there may be a different version of it out there, but yeah. Um, yeah, I wish this was streaming somewhere because this was really cool. Yeah, it also has Juliette Lewis in it. I always oh, yeah, feel yeah. so bad for her, though. She always gets like these dumb, like blonde characters. Yeah, I guess she kind of has that look. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> she does always play like either kids or like super naive yeah. people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought Romeo's Bleeding is very cool. Me too. I gave it a four star. I did as well. Cool. Jinx. I didn't say cool. I know. Uh, <laughs> because we both said four cool, stars. Cool, 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 cool. Um, so, all right. So the next movie I watched on my own. Big surprise. Oh, you. Yep. So I watched Rebecca, which came out this year, 2020, directed by Ben Wheatley. Uh, so this is... I didn't an... know Ben Wheatley directed that. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Um, he also did High Rise and Free Fire. Anything else? So based on those, let me guess. Great idea very sloppy execution <laughs> well that's the issue i don't know if it's sloppy or not mm. because this is a remake of a hitchcock film which i've never seen and uh, everybody yeah. has already been like it's nothing like the original so uh <laughs> hitchcock didn't do it there you go. <laughs> uh internet trolls that's my impression Good job. <laughs> uh so rebecca it's a whirlwind romance with a wealthy widower a naive bride who moves to his family estate but can't escape the haunting shadow of his late wife so this star is Lily James, who, of course, gets pigeonholed into the pretty, innocent, nice person. And Army Hammer plays the wealthy uh, millionaire. Um, Kristen Scott Thomas, who was an English patient. Yeah. Um, I love her. Uh, she plays, like, the caretaker, kind of, who was also, uh, like, best friends with the late wife. Um so the issue, I guess, is that it's fine. Like, I thought it was fine, but I don't know, compared to the original, if it's really as bad as everyone's saying it is. Yeah. I thought the production and costumes, as always, was really good. Um, and I kind of wish Lily James could stop playing the pretty nice people and play something with a little more meat. Yeah. <laughs> Once in her life. <laughs> Um, but for the most part, I'll probably never watch this again. Hmm. <laughs> a lot of people always, uh, on reviews were like, Army Hammer could be replaced with like a wet mop and nobody would know the difference. That's too bad. <laughs> I like Army Hammer. I do too, but apparently a lot of people hate him. Um, so yeah, there's kind of a twist, but not really. And then it's a kind of like beast again, where like the husband may or may not have killed his wife and there's like a trial and stuff. And then Lily James is like trying to defend him and prove he's innocent. He couldn't possibly. He couldn't possibly know. <laughs> and Lily James. <laughs> uh, so yeah, for, it's fine. But for like a mystery thriller, it's not that great. Hmm. I, I haven't seen the original either. Shockingly. 
Yeah. That's an that's early Hitchcock, I think. So maybe we'll watch the original and then come back and I can be like, what the F U C K. So yeah, I'm not gonna waste any more time on it. It's fine. It's on Netflix. I don't know. Watch it or don't. I don't All care. Right. What did you get it? <laughs> Three stars. Okay. Kind of like Emma. Do yeah. what you want with it. <laughs> Do what you want with it. Let's yeah. talk about a movie that we feel very differently about. Whew. Next heavy movie to watch. <laughs> All right. All right, so our next movie, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which came out this year. Yeah, 2020. And another movie directed by a lady. So mm-hmm. Eliza Hitman. Hitman. She also did Beach Rats, which I have heard, but I never watched. I think it might have gotten nominated for like Indie Awards hmm. or something. I don't think I've heard of it. It's on Hulu, so we could watch it. Uh, So Never Really, Sometimes, Always follows a pair of teenage girls who live in rural Pennsylvania. Um, One of the girls ends up pregnant, and they travel to New York City to seek out medical help after an unintended pregnancy. And they're wacky and misadventures. (laughs) It's not that wacky. It's It's depressing. (laughs) (laughs) They're depressing, realistic, raw adventure. Yes. So yeah, this film is pretty amazing. It is. Um, I almost felt like we were watching a documentary. 100%. Yeah. It's definitely shot like a documentary. And most, if not all of these actresses and actors are first time performers. Yeah. Uh, including the main girl who is unreal. Like yeah. extremely good. I, like if there's any justice in the world, she would win the Oscar this year for best actress. Yeah. Unquestionably. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, I should actually say her name. Sydney Flanagan, I believe. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so, like, everything about the movie is shot and the way it's sound designed, everything feels supernatural so that you could almost believe that it is just, like, documentary footage. Like, it just feels like it's just happening. Yeah. You definitely forget that you're watching a movie. Um, and definitely creates, like, this all the sound design and stuff creates this really oppressive atmosphere in all these places, like in the subway and on the streets of New York and arcades. And yeah, like they're always bombarded by all these loud noises and stuff. That's just a sound thing. But, um, yeah, I mean this movie, I saw somebody in their view that I, which I totally believe is that, uh, all middle school males should be required to watch this Mm. movie in like seventh grade. Um, because the whole movie just shows how crushing and heartbreaking and incredibly difficult it is to be a young woman in the world. Yeah. And how you're forced into motherhood when you don't want to be and not having options for medical care and all the crap you have to put up with at work and just being yourself. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just from every, every turn you see like harassment and just uncomfortable situations that they're put in and, obnoxious people treating them differently just because they're young girls. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah. And the way that they mostly just have to kind of casually accept it because just that's sort of the way and things even are. Use it to right. like use it get to their what they need. Because they have to. Yeah. Um, so there's a scene where like, uh, the cousin who goes with her, mm-hmm. she basically has to go on this date with this guy right. in order to get money for a train ticket home. No, it's not even the train ticket. It's it's her next appointment, right? Or no, it no, is a train, train ticket, ticket because she they, had to spend all her money on the appointment. Right, because they basically they go to get this abortion and they find out first they find out it's she's too far along. 
yeah, to which, do it at the first I wasn't clinic. really sure what that meant. I think that the original Christian clinic she went to lied to her about it. But like, what was the point of lying? Like, so that if she tried to get an abortion, she'd find out it was too late. Mm. Too, she might wait to make a decision and then find out it was too late. Yeah, that was the impression I got. Um, yeah, because I think she's like eighteen weeks. Yeah, something or like, twenty. Or eight, yeah, but um, so yeah, first, first she can't get it because she has to go to a different clinic that has to do a. I guess it's a more slightly more dangerous procedure yeah and she can't get it in pennsylvania because she's under 18 right. and new york doesn't allow she can't get it new york um, allows it without so permission. then they have to find a place to stay because they're only planning on going there for like an afternoon yeah but then yeah, then they have to find a place to stay then they find out that the procedure at this other place takes two days yeah so they have to find another place to stay and Which then that's, that's the, that place to stay is just sleeping in the subway station right. just finding, finding anywhere to sleep where people <laughs> won't kick them out or moving around constantly yeah so they basically don't sleep for like three days while they're doing all this um and yeah and then of course they have to put up with there's picketers everywhere and people protesting the abortion yeah. clinic and there's the guy who was like hitting on them on the bus ride down that they it, like their only contact in new york so they have to kind of call him and yeah siphon him for money by you know going on a date with him and kind of sucking up to him yeah putting on makeup and everything <laughs> um yeah it's just like super uncomfortable and awful uh and all, all of this just to get what ought to be a universally easily to get easy to get medical procedure <laughs> Yeah, and then I think the most heartbreaking scene is where the title comes from. Yeah, where of she's answering a lot of questions, and she has to answer either never, rarely, sometimes, or always. And it's like, oh, this is worse than we thought. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's and that's what another reason why I think this movie works so much better than like there are plenty of like issue movies about abortion and how difficult they can be to get for people. Um, you know, the kind of film festival movies that we see every year. But I think that's partially one of the reasons why this one works and doesn't just feel like a melodrama yeah. is that you don't really know the full backstory. You just get it from these little glimpses, in particular from that one scene that's this one long take where it just stays on her face while the person at the clinic is asking her those questions and you start to get a sense of like, oh, she's had several very abusive relationships, yeah. familial and romantically. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just awful. It's awful, but holy SHIT, this movie's incredible. Yeah, like, I enjoyed it. Well, I enjoyed it. It made me so uncomfortable. I couldn't watch like any of the. It's not even rated R. It's PG thirteen, really? and like Is it, it really? doesn't show anything really happening, like in the abortion scenes and medical stuff. But I was like, it felt so real. I was just like, oh, like I'm to, gonna pass out. I had <laughs> like, to give Michelle some. Uh, it's like look I can't deal with it. Let you know when. <laughs> um, Ugh, makes me so like lightheaded. <laughs> the more and more I think about it the more i feel like this is unquestionably my favorite movie of the year like yeah i mean we'll see where the year goes but yeah. definitely for I mean, most important story-wise sure. now like i loved movies. invisible man and that was like i portrait on fire is technically my number one but that's really a t 2019 movie yeah um so i think second after that was invisible man which i also really really like but it's hard to compare these two so i don't know yeah but yeah this movie's amazing Yep, highly recommend it. It's on HBO, all yes. of the HBOs. <laughs> so yeah, I really hope it gets nominated for something. I mean, if, there if they are campaign for indeed. it, yeah, this would definitely deserve it. Agreed. But we know how that goes. Yeah. No one will ever hear of it. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so 
complete opposite movie now, right? <laughs> cat people. <laughs> it's a movie about people that are cat. Yeah. <laughs> so we watched Kitty the <laughs> original 1942 Cat People, directed by Jacques Turner. Turner? Yes. Junet. <laughs> I was gonna add a French accent to it. Um, so yeah, it's about cat people. <laughs> There's nothing more to go into. I that. wish it makes me sad because I wish I had seen this one before the remake. Because after having seen the remake a couple months ago, it's hard to compare these two. And I, it I, is pretty different. They're very different. I knew I knew that going into. I knew they only had one scene in common, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought they both do better things than the other and worse things than the other i mean this one definitely has a lot less creepy incest that's for sure well it has <laughs> yeah i mean there's no incest yay Lower incest <laughs> but question. it's also like the main cat pe- person gets married like within a week of meeting this guy yeah that was my problem like we talk about this a lot on the show that like 40s uh, movies are just like is this well, really why people go sometimes <laughs> for whatever reason some movies it's easier or harder to overlook the like sexist or racist issues with the movie. Yeah. This one, I had a really hard time overlooking. Well, this one's kind of part of the plot because he doesn't really know her and like her culture and what they believe in. Right. But to me, that plays exactly the wrong way. It plays as like, be careful if you marry a foreign woman. Yeah. (laughs) um, Like, cause they play him as like the victim. Yeah. That's why I don't, I don't think he's the victim. Like you married it her really really quickly after you said i love you after meeting her for five minutes like (laughs) yeah i mean so much of the movie centers on her husband her psychiatrist and her husband's lover that he's having an affair well she's just a friend and then becomes like a lover very Um, quickly (laughs) that all three of these people are just conspiring to like do what's best for her yeah by committing her yeah to an asylum the, the <laughs> kindest thing they could do is commit her to a mental asylum which we all know what that means but if they Pulling commit her out. we can't get married like <laughs> right so it's like do we get a divorce and yeah. just leave her to like they're trying to figure out what the kindest thing to do and all the options are like ridiculously like, just awful divorce her like yeah. go away yeah <laughs> so yeah the whole moral i don't know what that the really moral bothered is. me a lot it's not good <laughs> um i mean i like uh, some a lot of the like creepy scenes where they're where they're being like stalked by the cat and they don't really know yeah, what's I going like on that. that stuff was really well done like the horror elements of the movie i liked a lot but the setup the concept the way the setup was done i did not like it really bugged me and it's not to say that the remake was any better really because remakes a well yeah they're, disaster i think i like this slightly better because it was shot better well i don't know it was shot better i liked it in black and white and i liked mm. the main cat person a lot cat people um i thought she was good being a creepy cat lady <laughs> yeah that's what, i like the scene when they go to the pet shop and yeah all yeah the that's, animals all are that's, like, that's what i mean like the horror elements <laughs> of this movie are really cool yeah. the like non-horror like normal people narrative stuff is really bugged me yeah agreed so yeah kind of kind of on the fence about this one it's on criterion um i gave it three and a half but i would maybe go down to three yeah, it's I like did, teetered between. I did the two. three and a half, also. So yeah, I don't know if it's better than the original. I mean, the remake or not? They're they're super different. different. They're super different. <laughs> one has incest and the other doesn't. One has a person <laughs> actually turning into a cat. I mean, yeah, doesn't. that's good. Cat people. <laughs> cat people. All right, so yeah, enough about cat people. Um, Let's talk about a movie we loved so much. <laughs> <Shall> whatever. <laughs> uh, 
so next we watched The Dead Don't Die, which was came out last year, 2019, directed by Jim Jarmusch. Mm-hmm. Um, and small peaceful town uh, where Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Chloe Savina, Savina? Savinia. They are cops in a small town. Zombies suddenly rise up to terrorize uh the world do we know if this is worldwide i don't focuses on their town (laughs) yeah um i don't know and tilda swinton plays a scottish morgue person who has japanese samurai swords yeah (sighs) let's just say does this plot sound like a mess because the movie is let me just say at one point when you got to go see a preview screening of this i was really disappointed that i couldn't come and i ended up doing something else that night and yeah, now and I'm really glad that I did. And I wish you hadn't made me watch it later. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I thought maybe a second rewatch no, would make me change I, I mean, my I'm, mind. I'm just kidding. I would never, <laughs> look, I love Jim Jarmusch and I would never not want to see any of his movies, his movies ever, even if I'd heard bad things or whatever. I'm glad I got a chance to see it. But this movie's dog. S-H-I-T. Yeah. It's terrible. Well, I did. I waited until we didn't have to pay for it because I knew it was crappy. Yeah. Because <laughs> I when I saw it for free like early i was like oh this is not because we're going off only lovers left alive to this and it's like uh this is garbage (laughs) and especially when yeah it's like oh this is kind of in that same horror vein like he's doing yeah jim jarmusch's take on zombies zombies now although i think patterson was in between those two which we still haven't seen maybe um but uh yeah just a mess man it's like to me it feels like well, and actually reading the trivia, I think it was Tilda Swinton told Jim Jarmusch while they were doing Only Lovers Left Alive, like, you should do a zombie movie. Like, that'd be really interesting. And I think that's where he got the idea from. Yeah. And then it seems like he was like, oh, that'd be cool. I want to, I like, I'll, I'll watch Night of the Living Dead and I'll do something kind of in that vein, like old zombie movie. But then he completely lost interest in the middle of writing it. Yeah, this is like, so the only funny parts are in the trailer. Correct. So there's nothing really to look forward to. Even with Bill Murray and like, I don't know, a lot of it just feels like they made up their own lines, which I think they probably did at yeah, some point. I think that's there's this weird thing. meta thing going on, which is only basically I like, I don't, they don't even commit to it. It's like a few one-offs. Like uh, you're, I mean, you and I love meta stuff. Yeah. Meta horror, I mean like scream stuff and you know, I'm all for meta movie stuff as a movie lover. But, uh, in this, it just felt like I didn't understand what the point of it was. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point. Like, I don't know what this whole movie is trying to say. It's not funny. It's not no. good. <laughs> like, is it about global warming? Like, like there's like one uh, or two, politics? there's like, one or two really clever ideas. My favorite thing about the movie is just this one piece, little part in that all the adults are like, there's basically this whole thing going in the background where like global warming, or it's not global warming, it's uh, fracking. Um, it's yeah, fracking in Antarctica yeah. is what's caused this. And basically all the adults are like MAGA people sort of who are just like, whatever, yeah. like it's just, the government doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, and they then they cut to these kids in like a juvenile hall and they're the only ones who are like, this is it. The apocalypse is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Zombies are, ca-. you know, they're, they're like the smartest ones, which yeah. I, I thought that was clever. But they just die off screen, I think. Maybe. I, don't I don't think they know die. They just them. say, I know a place we can go hide and that's it. <laughs> you much never like, see them again. Much like every other <laughs> thing in this movie, there's no conflict or resolution with them whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing happens. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just a bunch of random stuff and nothing adds up to anything no. in any way, in any satisfying kind of way at all. No, none of the characters get a satisfying ending. Nope. Like, There's a there's a part, uh, let me sum it up with this. There's a part, they, there's a theme, the theme song, the, I yeah. guess a real song that the movie's title comes from. They play it all the time in the movie, like in, like diegetically and the characters are like, oh, I love this song. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that was kind of funny, like the second time. But they keep doing it. They do it's it a same. bunch of times to the point when Bill Murray literally takes the CD out of the car and says, I can't take it yeah. anymore. And he throws the CD out the window. Yeah. <laughs> that was exactly how I felt about this movie. <laughs> like if we were watching it on disc, I would have pulled the disc out and thrown it out of the car yeah. window. Yeah. And it also is crazy. This has so many people in this movie, like a good cast. Stevie Shemmy, Danny Glover, uh, Selena Gomez, Tom Waits, like RZA, Larry Fessenden. RZA. <laughs> uh, uh, what's that kid? Caleb Landry Jones. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, lots of good actors who are not doing a good job. In well, this. they're <laughs> they fine given as anything. actors, but there's no, yeah. yeah, there's nothing. The script nothing is nothing. With. Yeah. So it's safe to say we did not like this movie and don't uh, waste your time with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Jim Jarmusch fan. Not all of his movies work for me, but this is easily my least favorite. I mean, I I actively hated this movie. Yeah, two stars. Yeah. Yeah, and that's honestly that's kind of generous. It is on HBO, but don't watch it. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> or you'll die like we did inside. Uh, so now we have our palate cleanser movie <laughs> to get over that one. Uh, Wild, directed by Jean-Marc Vallée. Vallée. I think it's Vallée. So Wild stars Reith. Reese with a spoon who follows a woman with a tragic past who decides to start her new life by hiking for 1,000 miles on the Pacific Crest Trail to walk back to the woman her mother wants her to be. That's right. <laughs> it also stars Laura Dern and that's everybody we know. The guy from Haunting of Hill House. Um, <laughs> the guy from Haunting of Yeah, Hill. I don't remember who her husband is. I, yeah, I don't know if I'd recognize him from anything. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, Harper, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I love this movie so much. This movie didn't make my top 10 when it came out in 2014. I, like, I mean, there were a lot of good movies that came out that year. It was, I think it was number 11. But this is probably, of all those movies, this is the one I've rewatched the most. Yeah, we have rewatched this, this is at, at least, least three or, or four times. <laughs> Once um, a year rewatch. <laughs> I think about this movie all the time, and every time we watch it, I like it a lot more. Tell me why. Okay. <laughs> Break it down. <laughs> uh, I love the way that it's shot. I think yeah. it's beautiful. And part part of that is just the setting that it's shot in, obviously, like the Pacific Northwest, all this, all these different natural locations are just gorgeous. Yeah. But there's also all these like interesting macro close-ups of like the wildlife and stuff that work great. Yeah. Um, I think the structure of the narrative is really brilliant the way that it's built around facing memories and that you don't really know why she's walking until like 30 or 40 minutes into the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, that basically you, she just starts the hike and then you're, and things on the hike remind her of things that jump back into her memories, which is how memory actually works. So that was, <laughs> I like, I really like that. Um, and there's really brilliant sound based transitions for a lot of those too. Yeah. And the music kind of intertwines with it. Too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that to me, this movie has, this movie is on the same level as Roma, as far as its mix goes, which if you know me, that means that's the you biggest, love Roma. that is the <laughs> highest compliment I could possibly give a sound mix. Yeah. Um, 
the way that it uses this like hazy internal monologue all the time that she's always talking to herself um, and she's singing and humming songs and that all kind of blends together between the memories and things that she's thinking of and songs that are actually happening in the in present. Just all of the way that that blends in and out of each other is gorgeous and really makes the movie especially interesting, even on many repeat viewings. Yeah, I really like how it's the story because you kind of have the past and then like way in the past, like with her mom mm-hmm. and then like the middle where like it's her downfall and then the current and it all just like jumps back and forth, but it's super easy to follow too, but you get like all this background information and it unfolds very slowly, kind of mm-hmm. like a little mystery. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just, it's the perfect encapsulation of what it would be like to actually go on this kind of hike that is meant to kind of put your life back on track. Yeah. The whole point is that she's kind of walking and just spending time in nature and thinking about what's happened and kind of, you know, emotionally working our way through all these things. Yeah. And I was, uh, this is also based on a book mm-hmm. by Cheryl Stray. Did you ever read it? I haven't yet. We own it, but I haven't read it yet. I'd like to. Cause I wonder if the book is the same setup. Like I wonder if it jumps around. Yeah. I'd be curious to know. Cause uh, yeah, I don't, that's one thing I don't know is whether the adaptation changes the structure or anything else significant about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love this movie. It's, it's kind of slowly become one of my favorite movies. Uh, of the last 10 years, something that's kind of definitely crept up on me because I liked it a lot the first time we saw it, but it didn't make like a humongous impact on me mm-hmm. like the way it does now. I love this movie. I specifically watched this movie before I started like an eight straight days of working like <laughs> 12 to 14 hour days. It's uh, your comfort movie. It is a comfort movie for sure. So yeah, I love I love Wild. I think it's amazing. I wish that I liked other things that Jean-Marc Vallée had done as much as I like this. Yeah, Dallas Buyers Club is okay. Um, but I really did not like, what was the TV show he did? Um, when Nicole Kidman, uh, and, big little Lies. Yeah. I did just could not, I was, I was super excited about that because I like wild so much, but did not work for me at all. Nope. I didn't, we didn't even finish it. Um, but yeah, wild 2014. I don't think it's streaming anymore. I, I think it pops up on streaming every now and then. Yeah. This is to me, this is a movie that is criminally overlooked. Yeah. Like it's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. I still love it. And I wish it more, uh, got more recognition. Yeah. All right. Well, the next chunk is Let's all start me. the Michelle block. <laughs> got four movies I got to get through, um, which was pared down from like eight. <laughs> so first up, uh, tier, t- I already messed terms, up. Oh, terms, of- <laughs> terms of endearment. <laughs> uh, terms of endearment came out in 1983 and directed by James L. Brooks. So wait, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Who's that? Uh, main one of the main producers of The Simpsons. He directed As Good as It Gets and Spanglish. I haven't seen those other films. Yeah. Um, or did he write those? I don't know. Not important. So this movie is basically Gilmore Girls. <laughs> okay. uh, it stars Shirley MacLaine, Deborah Winger, Jack Nicholson, Danny DeVito, Jeff Daniels, John Lithgow, uh, a bunch of other familiar looking people. Um, so it stars or follows Aurora, who is a finicky woman who is in search of true love while her daughter faces marital issues. Together, they help each other deal with problems and find reasons to live a joyful life. So when I first started watching this movie, I didn't know it was that movie 
where like the most depressing ending ever <laughs> that like makes everybody cry a bunch um because most of this movie is like a straight comedy um so to have like all this comedic like mother-daughter relationship stuff and family issues and then to end on like a very very sad depressing note well i guess it's it's not it doesn't end on a super sad note but basically one of them gets sick uh, so it's got million dollar it's a cancer syndrome. thing yeah <laughs> gotcha. um so then it's kind of like dealing with all of the stuff they've been dealing with their whole life because it follows from the time she's like born up until she dies hmm. spoiler she dies <laughs> yeah um but then Jack Nicholson is like an astronaut who lives next door because this all takes place in Texas. Um, and he's like a playboy and he has his kitchen is like has tons of pictures of him as an astronaut in like moon stuff that he did. Moon stuff. <laughs> to impress the ladies. Okay. But Shirley MacLaine ain't falling for any of that. <laughs> I guess I would use if I was an astronaut, I'd probably use it to my advantage romantically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually ended up enjoying this a lot because it's. It's, I think this the script is like pretty amazing. Like it's super tight. Like and they like Gilmore girls, they talk a lot. <laughs> and it's just very like natural, like yelling at each other, laughing, joking, whatever, serious stuff. Um, and then I also thought it was a good like marital movie because Jeff Daniels is a douchebag. <laughs> hmm. He like makes his name is Flap. By the way, and Which, I have never heard that name before. We had this conversation before because I had to explain to you that I have a relative name. It's like, a, what type of name is Flap? Because no, you <laughs> like, who would marry a Flap? <laughs> you don't have any many Southern ancestors, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I would be willing to bet I have more than one Flap in my That's extended ins- family. Like, what is? I don't understand the origination. He probably like, made a lot of pancakes, maybe, I mean. but he is kind of like uh a low life husband who like has they has to move to like iowa or nebraska to like get a job because mm. he wants to be an english professor so it's like the lowest tier college would take him okay and then he like starts having affairs and stuff with college girls so he's Could a call dick <laughs> yeah and they have like they he keeps impregnating her it's like stop having babies would Ouch. flap <laughs> um so yeah <laughs> flap junior yeah (laughs) so there's a lot of like marital stuff from their side and then the mom like dealing with being on her own after her only daughter like moves away because their her husband died so she's been like alone for a while Mm -hmm. um so she's obsessed with her daughter yeah and stuff in their life Okay. <laughs> anyway, I like so it. Gotta catch your I think you should watch it sometime. You think I'd like it? Yeah, I do. I think okay. so. Well, the fact that James Brooks directed it definitely makes me a little more interested. Yeah. I've never I, seen anything he's done, but obviously, you know, Simpsons, one of the Simpsons co-creators. Yeah. Sort of, that's kind of, that's pretty cool. Uh, I gave it three and a half, but I'd probably teeter between three and a half and a four. And, and it's on HBO. Apparently, this is one of mom's favorite movies that I've never heard her say a word about. Well, maybe we'll watch it with her 
sometime. We'll set up the backyard so Mom, you can watch Terms of Endearment. Mom's one of those people who changes what her yeah. favorite movie is depending on what recently we watched. I can see why your mom loves this movie. Because I was like, Mom, that is a lie. Get Shorty is your favorite yeah. movie. That's all you ever talked about when we were kids. Yes, apparently Get Shorty in Terms of Endearment are Doesn't she love like Water for Chocolate too? I believe so. She keeps trying to make us watch it. Or is it Chocolat? Chocolat. It might I get be those two mixed up. Whichever one where people cry into the chocolate and then when people eat the chocolate makes them cry i don't know which one that is <laughs> i don't either <laughs> or which order all right all right so the next film i watched was queen and slim this came out last year mm-hmm. um it's directed by melina matsukas um it stars daniel kalua jody turner smith um and a bunch of other people oh yeah chloe savini's in this too hmm. and flea who's flea Red Hot Chili Peppers Flea, a.k.a. one of, the, one of the nihilists in Big Lebowski. Oh, I'll that's off him? Your Johnson. Yeah. He plays like this rich Southern guy who like helps them what? escape. What? Yeah. That's a, I would never have pegged Flea for that. Like for a, a very like straight, like upper so class. I always say some like weird, gross person. He's not gross in this. He has a button up on. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to believe. Um. So anyway, this follows... Uh, queen and slim uh on their first date so she's like i don't know if she's a paralegal or a lawyer i think she's a lawyer mm-hmm. or an attorney um and he i don't i don't Does know this take place present day or yeah it's okay. very present issues um so it's their first date and when they're driving back from the date um they get pulled over and it escalates very quickly. The cop is being a total douchebag mm-hmm. and basically pulls a gun on Slim. And then he shoots Queen in the leg because she's pulling out her cell phone and going to record all of it. Ah. And then that causes Slim to kind of act in a self-defensive manner and accidentally kills the cop. And then they decide in that split second to go, go on, on the run. run. Yeah. So it's basically Bonnie and Clyde, if Bonnie and Clyde were innocent. (laughs) So, yeah. And then they're sort of like, they keep running into all these different people. They don't know who to trust. Like there's different parts around the country because they're, their plan is to get to Cuba. So they have to drive from Ohio down to Florida and then find a plane to fly to Cuba. Okay. Um, And she has an uncle, Bokeem Woodbine. I think you would know him if you saw him. Um, I'll look him up. This guy. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, what have we seen him in? So he's kind of like, he has a brothel in New Orleans. Um, we've seen him in The Rock, Overlord, Spider-Man. Overlord, I think, is what I'm thinking of. And a, he's in a lot of stuff. There's probably TV shows that we know him from, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, he so they get, make it to her uncle who... Bakim plays um and he helps them out um and then like a lot of family stuff comes up about her past because her she doesn't have a family and slim is like very family oriented and he's like i can't just leave them like i have to call them she's like if you call them they'll trace it and they'll right. know where we are so it's a lot of like different dynamics between like having super supportive family and no super supportive family yeah um but then it, their whole like escape inspires like a lot of black lives matter movement protests Hmm. throughout the country. And then they kind of find like little safe havens. Like they go to this, uh, like country 
bar in New or-, or Louisiana and it's like a safe space for them, like just live music and stuff. And even the waitress is like, we know who you are, but you're safe here. <laughs> <laughs> and then Flea shows up. <laughs> See, this is like, it sounds like a fantastic idea and it sounds awesome. Yeah. And I remember there being tons of marketing about this movie, but then I didn't hear anything about it. Like I never saw any critics talking about it, at least among the Well, I think it I was kind of like it should have probably had more recognition than it did. Yeah. Because I mean, it's all about what's going on now. Yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of great. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember, I only gave it three and a half stars because I think it did kind of drag on in some spots. But for the most part, I really liked it. Um, I think it's worth seeing. It's very relevant. And for a while, it's also like who can you trust and can't trust. And it kind of goes back to like what's going on now with like relatives and like their secret motives and stuff and true feelings. And like, yeah, would you actually put yourself in the way to help somebody out who was innocent and stuff? Um, but yeah, I would recommend it. You think I'd like it? I think so. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I also love the poster. Yeah. They look really badass. And they actually take the photo in the movie. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I I get I don't know, maybe just because of the poster, the way it looked. I always thought this took place in the seventies or something. Well, they get those clothes after they visit their un- her uncle who owns okay. the brothel. So it's kinda like he only has like leisure suits and all the girls only have like leopard skin uh, (laughs) dresses and stuff (laughs) okay that explains a lot yeah but also like i won't give away the ending but yeah it actually is in the past they time travel no (laughs) whether or not they make it i'm not gonna give that away (laughs) (laughs) okay all right no time travel though no time travel okay (laughs) uh so yeah i would recommend it it's on hbo i gave it three and a half uh, but it was a high three and a half. Okay. A high three and a I half. I get that. I get that. <laughs> um, so next up for Michelle Hour, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which came out in 2019. So this film follows two guys. It's uh, Jimmy... F- Smith. Fails. Jimmy Fails is his real name and the character name. Hmm. Weird. And Jonathan Majors, who plays montgomery allen jonathan majors is in lovecraft Lovecraft country Country. yeah Yeah. um and so jimmy fails dreams of reclaiming the victorian home his grandfather built in the heart of san francisco joined on his quest by his best friend mont jimmy searches for belonging a rapidly changing city that seems to have left them behind so this film was totally different from what i thought it was going to be because i remember seeing the trailer and being like oh it's probably about gentrification and stuff which it is but then it's also more like quirky almost fantasy like i guess the fantasy in their mind like the way that they act out and like their characters it's just very like it feels very out of place for Hmm. being a present day film i guess because uh jonathan major's character he's obsessed with plays and playwriting and so he's constantly like mimicking other people he sees on the street like pretending to be them kind of okay so he has like a huge imagination um and then a lot of it is about like this house so jimmy fails he's constantly going over to this house that his family used to own um and like working on it yeah 
without permission by the people who currently live on it so yeah. he's like taking care of the garden and like painting the trim and they're always like get out of here <laughs> boy if somebody came to our house to start doing that stuff i'd yeah i'd be very grateful <laughs> um but then it's i think i'd have to watch it more to really get at what it's saying because i think i wasn't totally paying attention during it Misha. Which I do a lot sometimes, so I probably <laughs> miss some major points. <laughs> uh, but I really liked it, and I missed the time travel aspect. It's a yeah, it's a very A twenty four film, so it's kind of it a A twenty four movie. Yeah, okay, I think it is. Yeah, um, so it looks like it was shot on a medium format camera, kind of like cool. Ghost Story. It's not a square, but like the quality of like I don't know. Film red camera or whatever. or whatever they used is amazing and the cinematography is great hmm. and then like i really enjoyed how they have all these like minor background characters who kind of uh get involved into the story and basically near the end he puts on a play in the house yeah because they kind of become squatters <laughs> um and then like it ties all these like subplots of everything that uh mont Gummery has been viewing or taking in yeah observing so it was definitely way quirkier than i thought and i thought it was pretty funny not like it's not a comedy but like the situations are funny yeah so i liked it what'd you give it four stars four stars okay yeah you think i'd like it i think so okay yeah this one i just for whatever reason i never even really knew what it was about it's kind of hard it. to pinpoint because I was thinking it was going to be more like a blind spotting thing, but mm. then it's kind of more what artsy. I assumed based on the name. Yeah. It's more artsy than that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's on Prime. So now, I think it got nominated for stuff. Yeah, it might have. Last it year. Seems like it might have. Yeah. So now let's go from those to a white people movie, right? Uh, melancholia yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> very white people movie <laughs> uh so yeah my next film i watched was melancholia which is directed by lars von trier 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 chaos it's all Rain. r's trier it's trier <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> um so this follows two sisters who find their already strained relationship challenge as a mysterious new planet threatens to collide with earth <laughs> so it's pretty different this is more of a <laughs> this one definitely has time travel film. right yeah. time travel no there's no time travel <laughs> man when we go to the time travel movies i <laughs> see i know I, I mean i didn't watch this with you i haven't seen it I always thought this was very different than what the way you just described it. <laughs> yeah. So this is only the second film I've seen, third film I've seen done by him. Really? I saw Antichrist and House, House that Jack built. built in this. Yeah. I never okay. saw Nymphomaniac. Nymphomaniac or um, uh, neither of us have seen what Dogtown, I think. So. Yeah. Never yeah. seen that. And so far, my track record with him is good. I like <laughs> yeah. this. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it stars Chris, Kirsten Dunst and Charlotte Gainsbourg. And Who's in every yeah, single one of his movies. Keith Sutherland, Charlotte Rampling, John Hurt, Alexander Skarsgård, Stellan Skarsgård. Wow. Who, they play father-son. Let me ask you a question. Does... Udo Kier. Oh, really? <laughs> no. He has a very weird minor no, I'm 100% role. in does uh, one of the scars guards is that weird picture of him on IMDb where he's not wearing pants? Is that no, from this movie? I wish it was. <laughs> uh, so you, so th there's two parts to this film. The first part it takes 
place a year before everybody knows that there's a, another Earth who might collide or another planet that might right. collide with Earth. So the entire like first hour and a half is just Kirsten Dunst's wedding to Alexander Skarsgård. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a lot of long shots, but it's like you figure out all the little quirks and issues that the whole family has with one another and yeah. how Kristen Dunst is obviously suffering from some sort of like mental depression episodes because even on her wedding night, she takes a nap, she takes a bath and she sleeps with somebody else. <laughs> well, aside from that last part, that sounds like me every day. <laughs> well, you wouldn't do that during our wedding though. No, true. Also, it's like Keith or Sutherland and Charlotte Gainsbourg are married um, and they're throwing the, her sister this huge lavish wedding at like their private country club sort mm -hmm. of place. And so you get a lot of like Keith or Sutherland being like, do you know how much we paid for this and blah, blah, blah. And like running around is like, and then he's like, you have 24 hours. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And then she marries Alexander Skarsgård, who she knows because it's his boss, her boss's son. Mm. So there's like the workplace drama the family drama and then her own personal drama and then some crazy planet starts yeah to get in the and way. so that's just the first part it's like an hour have oh and udo kier is the wedding planner oh my god yeah and so he's like why did udo kier plan our <laughs> wedding he um he's like this crazy wedding planner who's like very expensive or whatever <laughs> and like he is so <laughs> mad at kirsten dunce's character because she's like taking naps and like not cutting the cake and they're like <laughs> already like four hours oh, behind on this like man, plan or whatever. I want a movie just about that, about <laughs> yeah. Uroquia, the crazy wedding planner, And so he constantly, frustrated. whenever she's around, he covers his face because he doesn't even want to look at her. <laughs> so you see him oh like in the God. background just like turning his head that and walking away. Amazing. <laughs> it's very minor, but I really I cracked love, up every time. Awesome. <laughs> um, and then the second part, it's they find out that there's a planet that is supposed to be a near miss. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's really about like Kirsten Dunst is in this huge depression because obviously she slept with somebody on her wedding night. Like, I don't think the marriage lasted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so it's um, Claire and John, Keith or them, they invite her back to their like country club place to kind of watch the planet coming by. Cause everyone's going, it's going to like be super close. Right. And so like one of the best events you'll ever see in your whole life or whatever. Mm -hmm. And since he has tons of money, they kind of like have their own little shelter area there, but things don't go right. <laughs> and a lot of crazy stuff happens in the second part that I won't spoil. Okay. Um, but is it, it okay in the second half? No. Aww. Yeah, in the second <laughs> half, it's just Kirsten Dunst, Keith or Sutherland, Charlotte Gainsbury, and their kids. And a big planet. Yeah. The planet is not credited though. <laughs> <laughs> Was it and could it have also been played by Udo Kier potentially? Maybe. Okay. His face rising over yeah, the horizon. I, I, that's what I want to see. <laughs> and so a lot of it, the sister obviously is supposed to represent like anxiety because she's constantly like online trying to figure out like if the planet's going to collide with mm -hmm. Earth or not. And she's just freaking out. And then Kirsten Dunst is in like this horrible depressive state where she can't even like eat or bathe. And so it's kind of like that dynamic the second half. Yeah. But like both of them are justified because like they could all die. Like, <laughs> and then, yeah, you also get like Keith or Sutherland, who's been like this level headed 
like smart planner dude like see how he reacts to everything yeah. that may or may not happen <laughs> that's pretty interesting so yeah i'm really glad i watched it i think it's a little it's a little over two hours it's two hours 15 it's super long yeah but i was super surprised and then the entire time i was watching it it was just like oh my god kirsten Dunst is so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> like it's insane like how flawless she looks in this whole film <laughs> uh but yeah girl crush <laughs> <laughs> all right i gave rank? it four stars how's it rank with your other two large ventures i would like this i like this more than antichrist but less, but than, less than house of jack bill because that movie's just hilarious <laughs> house of jack bill is certainly the most fun of yeah. his movies in a really gross sort of messed up way yeah <laughs> yeah so anyway it's on hulu and i recommend it cool i have to watch that i've never seen it so that wraps up Everything I watched. Well, not even. That's like a little taste of the good stuff I watched. Because <laughs> yeah. I had like eight other films I could have talked about. There were like eight straight <laughs> days when I was basically not around at all. Yeah. <laughs> but we rented some cool things coming up. <laughs> yeah, we went to our, our local video store. The old video drum. So we watched To Die For. Not a James Bond movie. No. And don't be fooled by the poster. It is not Nicole Kidman seducing you, the audience. <laughs> it does look, the poster makes it look like it could be a sequel to Along Came a Spider. Yeah, it really does. Or Kiss but the Girls. <laughs> uh, so this came out in 1995 and is directed by Gus Van Sant. Saint. Uh, and so how would you describe this? A world famous news anchor who is willing to do anything to get what she wants, what she lacks in intelligence. She makes up for in cold determination and diabolical wiles. Who wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> As she pursues her goal with relentless focus, uh, she is forced to destroy anything and anyone that may stand in her way, regardless of the ultimate cost or means necessary. Uh, so this cast is insane. Nicole Kidman plays the news anchor. Mm -hmm. Matt Dillon plays her husband. Joaquin Phoenix plays her high school lover. Casey Affleck plays the high school lover's best friend. Um, Who's like a, like just your typical like yeah. class clown doofus. He which is, is really a funny. Huge doofus in this. Uh, Allison Fallen is the other high school girl. I don't remember. She looked so else. familiar to me, but then I looked her up and there wasn't really much yeah. I had maybe seen her in, but yeah. And I think it's Eilina Douglas plays Matt Dillon's sister. Yes. Uh, wait, who's her boss at the at the news station is somebody too, right? It's, uh, what's his name from Seinfeld? Is it Wayne oh, Knight? Oh, Wayne Knight, yeah. yeah. Dotson, we have Dotson here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jurassic Park dude. Uh, so we picked this movie for one reason. It was on a letterbox list mm -hmm. that said, if you liked I, Tanya, you should watch this film. And I can't agree more. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's crazy that I Tanya, how much it not ripped off, but definitely takes a lot the of the like, structure is and like, style from yeah. this, like tw you know, twenty years later yeah. or whatever. Because um, it's kind of it's not like a, I guess it's a like mockumentary kind of. It's a really unique kind of mixed mockumentary. Yeah, because like there is a lot of the movie is like a mockumentary, like they're interviewing the characters. Yeah, but then as they're talking about it, then it shows those things, not like mockumentary recreations but like the actual events yeah so it's like this weird mixed style but it works really well and it's 
really yeah. funny. Yeah, this is definitely a it's like good comedy to watch. <laughs> I yeah. guess it's a little dark comedy, but I still thought it was good. Um, yeah, this was definitely structurally it has a lot in common with I Tanya, but it also reminded me in a weird way of Nightcrawler in that like yeah in that in Nightcrawler Lou Bloom is like the ultimate like. He learned how to do it on YouTube and it sort of turned him into, I mean, he was probably a sociopath before, but yeah. anyways, <laughs> this is the same with, she's like kind of self-help obsessed. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to project, it's almost like the American <laughs> beauty thing. Like in order to be successful, you have to project the image of success yeah. at all times. That's exactly what she's going for. <laughs> um, and yeah, based sort of on a true story, apparently, but I think in the yeah. true story, it's mostly, I don't, I think she was just a teacher. She wasn't like the weather yeah i didn't weather. do any like research on that but i think yeah your mom told us that and i think i saw it somewhere else yeah um i didn't know it was but it's weird it's based on a true story that was then adapted into a book and then mm -hmm. that's what this is um walking phoenix is so funny and goofy and weird <laughs> and awkward he's like i guess he's like 17 or 18 in this yeah. or playing one at There's least a scene and when he's like dancing such a in the living dork room. it's yeah. so funny <laughs> Um, Nicole, and he's like obsessed with her <laughs> yeah he's like totally in love uh nicole kidman's awesome in this she's yeah. super seductive and creepy and funny yeah um yeah this was really good mm -hmm. i'm su really surprised we had never heard of this before i think it's it seems, the cover art <laughs> yeah the poster is super super misleading it looks like yeah. a very like it looks like an erotic crime movie it really does in it's line like with like nicole um, kimmon about to undress <laughs> fatal attraction or something with the blue light over <laughs> yeah it really looks like that and it's not like even the way her character looks in that poster does not look like no. the way she is in the movie she's very kind of like i don't know but um yeah poster very misrepresentative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is great. It's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot. And I really like seeing more Matt Dillon movies now after House That Jack Built. Because like, he's a really good person, like actor. He's he really funny. Yeah, he funny. <laughs> and like all I've ever seen him in is... Uh, Something about Mary. Yeah. He's got chompers. And his forehead. And, like <laughs> all the Dillon More heads. like a five head. Yeah. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> Six head. <laughs> uh, no, you like the other Dillon that's in the blob. Yeah, Ke I don't remember Kevin? which one. I think it's Kevin Dillon. <laughs> Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie was really good. We had to rent it, like we said, but if it's like on Prime, you should rent it. I don't know. Yeah, it's Could definitely be worth up seeing. There. <laughs> uh, I gave it a four star. Me too. Cool. What else did we rent, Michelle? And then we rented Tombstone. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> Why are you saying it like that? I don't know. Is it because I say it that way? Maybe. I just I, feel like you should I'm say it that way. It's Day of the Dead when he's like, we're just living in a giant tombstone. <laughs> um, so Tombstone <laughs> came out in 1993, directed by George P. Cosmatos. But really directed, apparently, by Kurt Russell. So where did that come from? So apparently, yeah, I read about it in the trivia. Originally, the guy who wrote the screenplay was directing the movie, I think. And he got fired. I'm mm. not exactly sure why. Maybe because originally the movie was going to be like six hours long or something. Um, and so then they brought in George George P. Cosmatos, but Kurt Russell has said in apparently in several interviews that he directed the movie that Cosmatos was really just there as kind of a figurehead. To, why didn't they just give Kurt Russell it? Then? I don't know. I mean, he doesn't have any directing credits at all. Yeah. So maybe that's, that's why. But yeah. Apparently, this is Kurt Russell's big directorial debut slash debut. finale. Yeah. 
Um, so anyway, this movie is about legendary Marshal Wyatt Earp, now a weary gunfighter who joins his brothers Morgan and Virgil to pursue their collective fortune in the thriving binding town of Tombstone. <laughs> uh, but Earp is forced to don a badge again and get help from his notorious pal Doc Holliday with a gang of renegade bro- what's brigands 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 and rustlers <laughs> <laughs> begins terrorizing the town who wrote all these they're brigands. so long some brigand i guess <laughs> a renegade brigand <laughs> uh so it's a western yeah well it's basically what it is is it's a western but it takes all these true or mostly true stories of like western gunfights and stuff and criminals and kind of weaves it together in one story like, and I wish I had known beforehand Agreed. about I 100% that agree. because this movie does kind of feel like it's a sequel to a film that doesn't exist. That's kind of true. <laughs> You're right. It definitely relies on you having heard of like, which I don't really know that much I, about. Yeah. Like Wider, I don't Doc know Holiday and like anything. <laughs> who's, who's the, who are the, the main bad guys? It's Billy or wild, wild bill or something. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wish I had known that too, because I spent a lot of the movie thinking like, man, when are we going to get to like the story? Like yeah. what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I know a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, we're crazy. Yeah. This is, this movie's super beloved. It's like, yeah. If you um, don't know who I Earp is, you should probably learn about it beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd known a little bit more about these real life people before I'd seen the movie. Cause that would probably help. Um, but that said, once it does get into the action, um, basically when the gunfight at the okay corral happens after from that point on it's really excellent yeah there's tons of great action there's a lot of great melodrama and character stuff but most of all i mean really what this movie is all about is the well two things the way it's shot is really cool there's tons of cool split diopter shots that are fantastic which is always something we're always pointing out we need to do it. I think we need to do a tweet, Michelle, hmm? that's got Leo from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at the screen. And it's like <laughs> split, split diopter. when you see a split diopter <laughs> shot because um, that's us. But really what this movie is, is just a showcase for like some of the best actors in the early 90s. Yeah. Let me run down the cast because I forgot it's to do that. Outrageous. So, this movie has one of the best yeah. casts of any movie ever. Kurt Russell plays Wyatt Earp. Val Kilmer plays Doc Holliday. Sam Elliott plays Virgil Earp. Bill Paxton plays Morgan Earp. Uh, Powers Booth plays Curly Bill. That's somebody. I'm not going to say any of the other names. <laughs> okay. Charleston Heston. Charlton Heston is in it. Uh, Michael Bean. Michael Bean. Jason Prisley. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, uh, Michael Billy Rooker. Billy Bob Thornton in a yeah. very small role. He's at the bottom, he's so real, I didn't get He's there. real chubby. <laughs> Michelle didn't believe me that it was him. Billy Zane. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, Billy Zane. He's in it a lot, actually. This is Wyatt Earp is in the film. That doesn't make sense. Is there someone else called Wyatt Earp? I don't know. Maybe it's like his great-grandson or something. John Corbett. Uh, I don't want to talk about it, oh. that guy. <laughs> From Sex and the City? Yeah. I forgot he was in it. Yeah, Maybe basically a whole bunch of white, awesome people. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, this is definitely a male, white male-dominated movie, yeah. for sure. But... This is by far and away Val Kilmer's best performance. Like, oh no my god, Val He's Kilmer so is good. amazing in this, and like, I kind of have new respect for him now after losing it during Batman. <laughs> <laughs> true, and like, Sad but true. I don't even know what other films I've seen with him recently. The only other one I good. could think of is Heat, and I don't feel like he even has. I mean, he's in it; he's one of the main characters, but I don't feel like he is that. 
interesting in it. Like, yeah. He's not bad, but he's just not that interesting. But he's against Pacino and De Niro. Yeah. Um, he's in True Romance? I don't believe, remember. Wait, Kemmer, who's he in True Romance? I don't know. He's listed, though. That's weird. But yeah, yeah this is probably the only... I guess I saw him in The Doors. Um, oh, yeah. I don't like that movie, though. That might be it. But yeah, he's amazing in this. And yes. like, why can't he bring this level to all his films? Maybe it's the character just worked really well. Oh my God. In True Romance, he's El- he's Elvis. Oh. Remember Christian Slater has those like weird, he's yeah. like talking to his, <laughs> in his voice in his head and it's Elvis. That's Val yeah. Um, Because Val, I guess Doc Holliday, what do you have? Tuberculosis. And so yeah. this entire movie, he's like, Super looks like sickly. he's at death's bed <laughs> yeah. or death's door. Um on his deathbed uh but he's also playing it very like it's almost like jack sparrow but in a western <laughs> very like drunk and like yeah, i could see that uh you know he's very smarmy yeah and it works it yeah works but so he's good. super cool and confident <laughs> despite the fact that he looks like he could die at any moment. yeah <laughs> uh yeah he's so good but and i mean kurt russell is always amazing like, and his all their facial hair is great. Oh yeah, I <laughs> I would be hard pressed to name a single character in this movie that doesn't have a mustache. I don't yeah. think there is anybody. <laughs> um, oh, and you didn't mention the only lady who I recognized in this it was funny. I didn't recognize her face, but I was like, why do I know that voice? Dana Delaney. She is the voice of the Phantasm in Mask of the Phantasm, and she's the voice of Lois Lane in all the Superman cartoons. I don't. S- Oh, there she is. She's Kurt Russell's wife. Or no, not she's the w- woman that he's like having the affair with. Oh, yeah. That's the only part I didn't really get, like the whole weird side love thing. Because yeah. all that they ever showed was them like looking at each other. It's like, are they really like in love? Is this really a forbidden well, love thing? Let me like- ask you this, Michelle. <laughs> Kurt Russell flashed you those blue eyes. <laughs> what would you do? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. There's Well, like I said, I think originally the movie was going to be like four or five hours long or something mm. because it was going to cut it was going to give the same amount of attention that it gives to the herps it was going to give to every one of these characters i kind of wish they had just gone for that yeah i kind of do too because i felt like i didn't really get the point of like that romance yeah that's the one thing like i was just like this feels tacked on addiction. yeah yeah i don't know it wasn't bad but it just felt like I wasn't quite sure why there was a lot of stuff in the movie that was like, felt like it was there more for historical context yeah. than for actual storytelling. So Which, again, if I had known about it right. then beforehand, I would have been like, okay, yeah, this makes more sense. Um, but oh, I still liked it. The gunfights and stuff were good. What else? Cinematography with apparently the lightning that was real. Yeah. In the background. That's pretty cool. Um, how about this, Michelle? what did the theme song remind us both of in a weird subconscious way? You remember? Gilligan's Island? Yeah. There's like a big part of the theme that's like, yeah, it's like, yeah. And And both of us afterwards were like humming the Gilligan's Island theme. We're like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. So I, overall, I liked it. I did too. It's definitely one of the better Westerns we've watched in the last few years. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, it'd be cool if Kurt Russell directed another movie. (laughs) Apparently. I mean, he's got the facial hair for it. For being a director? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Has he? No, no uh, directing. Yeah, it's weird, right? But 80 movies as an actor. Wow. He helped write Escape from L.A. Didn't That's he say? Good. Didn't he say something really crazy recently about that Christmas, the Christmas movie? one? He said. He, didn't he compare himself to Jesus or something? No, he compared <laughs> it to Mel Gibson's Last Temptation of Christ oh, right. and how 
what not, a great no, idea it was. Passion of the Christ. Passion not of the last yeah. Temptation. How great it was that he used like the authentic language and how mm. for his Christmas movies they had to use real That's Elvish right. to right. make it really great. <laughs> I, love, I love Kurt Russell. He was like, mm, okay, Kurt Russell, <laughs> say hey to Goldham for me. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I recommend it. Yeah, that was great. I gave it a four star. Me too. <laughs> Uh, what's next? My movie. Right. Another Michelle take, movie. Take it away. <laughs> I gotta pull it up. I'm not prepared for this. Okay, so I watched Black Christmas. Oh, I love that movie. The remake. Um. <laughs> so this came out in 2019, which I thought it came out this year, but I guess not. Yeah. Uh, directed by Sophia Takal, which I don't think oh she did always shine that Mackenzie davis oh, yeah. actress oh, i kind of liked that movie it was so cool that movie okay was let me take it fine. back i'll walk it back that movie was okay the actually trailer no was i great. didn't like that i gave it two stars yeah the trailer was great the movie was not that great yeah i'm, I'm forgetting so surprise this movie wasn't that great <laughs> uh so this is sort of a remake it follows a sorority over the holiday season where there is a secret cult murdering people. So nothing to do with Billy from the original. Nothing to do with that. That's too bad. Um, It stars Imogene Poots, which she's the only good thing. And Carrie Ewells is like a bad guy because um, he's so creepy. <laughs> um, But yeah, I really wanted to give this movie a chance. But unfortunately, all the people who said it was awful were accurate. <laughs> <laughs> this is which one. i hate because like it's a female yeah. like female director it's like uh why do they have to ruin it <laughs> this is one of those movies where uh i might have to come up with a term for this because i've been reading all my fangorias and stuff and yeah. they interviewed the uh, there, was it two women that wrote it together too uh i'm not sure let's see wrote it sophia the director and april wolf yeah yeah right so they wrote it together and then one of them directed it and um like I read an article about it. I was like, that sounds really cool. Like I remember seeing the trailer for this and being like, Oh, this looks terrible. Yeah. And then reading that, I was like, Oh, maybe this is kind of cool. And it's really neat that they got, you know, two women to come in and adapt this and stuff. But I do recall in the interview that they did put it together extremely fast. It's not even like, uh, about it being done quickly. Like the story just sucks. Mm, So like one, the, the best good thing about the original is like you don't really know who the killer is. It's all like a mystery surrounding why is this person murdering sorority people. Correct. As far as I remember, it's very Halloween esque in that like there's there's not no really a motivation. Motive. Right. In this one, you know from the very beginning basically that it's a fraternity who believes in the occult, and it's like an army of dudes going around killing women who have come out saying like they were raped or whatever against the fraternity mm. like there's fucking magic in this black magic. yeah like there's a ceremony where they rub all this black like oil on their foreheads and then they become possessed by like the college founder <laughs> what yes oh, to kill people it's just like what like mm. why would you do this and so there's like 30 killers all wearing robes, like killing people. Uh, that's pretty lame. So they take away everything that was great about the first one. Yeah. And there's something to be said for just doing something completely different with a concept, but yeah, that doesn't sound very good. And then like, I was hoping there'd be like some feminist stuff and it's just like, I don't know. It just didn't Is, are materialize. There, are there any characters? 
that are as funny and interesting as Margot Kidder's character in Black Christmas. Who's no. like, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, she's great. She's so, that's, that's one of my favorite movie. Great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like they do it really well or in that horror, one. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to start this new thing, Michelle, but horror heroines instead yeah. of final girls. <laughs> like, cause there was, a, I don't remember which, oh, well it's a movie. The last movie we're going to talk about today has one that's, she's not a final girl. She's a horror heroine. Yeah. I would say Margot Kidder is too. Oh, and like in the first two minutes, I kind of knew I was in for something really dumb. You want to know why? Because mm-hmm. the first person to get killed gets killed by an icicle. Oh, that's never good. That's Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, right I was there. like, are you kidding me? Like he breaks off a giant icicle and stabs it through her heart. Also, she has a phone in her hand the whole time and she doesn't call for uh, the cops. She just runs around banging on people's doors mm. asking for help. I see A.B. Well, yeah, they are. It's campus police in this and they are dumb. But like also it's not like a new take on anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, can't trust cops. Fraternities are bad. It's like, yeah, we all know that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) True. Let's move on, people. It's like, can we spice it up a little bit? (laughs) Hmm. So anyway, this is on HBO. I give it one and a half stars. It's bad. So basically watch the original. Don't watch this piece of crap. And it sucks. Like, again, I wanted to like it. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Here's where you can make a difference, Michelle. Yeah. You can still potentially watch the next movie that this lady does. And that's what I'm doing for what's her name? (laughs) First cow lady. Uh, who, no, well, yeah, first cow and uh, what Sophia Coppola uh, yeah. is like, I will keep supporting you because that's the problem. The movie is that (laughs) these female directors they get a chance or maybe even two chances yeah. and if they mess it up if they don't make a if they don't make a fantastic movie they never work again yeah and that's part of the problem and i kind of wish i hadn't known they also wrote it because i'm like maybe they weren't given a good script maybe it was the studio pushing yeah. for this yeah. but then it's like oh they wrote it too they didn't think it through <laughs> well that's too bad yeah anyway black christmas don't watch it watch the original yeah the original's awesome uh next up are you day the letter u our next movie is <laughs> you brought every to time you, you said that <laughs> I, know. I get really confused I'm like what are you talking about underwater aka underwear am i right <laughs> <laughs> this came out in 2020 directed by <laughs> william eubank with a you e with bank. a e oh, that's too bad eubank so close so this is follows i guess they're a mining mining people yes, definitely it's an underwater mining facility where six researchers are trapped after a mysterious uh creature breaks through the ocean floor and it's a race against time yeah because they gotta get up to the surface yeah before, before they, they run get... out of oxygen or die get squished yeah because there's like a <laughs> nuclear reactor in the in the mining yeah. calling. So imagine deep blue sea, but bigger <laughs> and no sharks. I would say imagine <laughs> aliens, but underwater, <laughs> but bigger. <laughs> this is very much in the vein of aliens. Yeah. And so this stars Kristen Stewart, Vincent Castle, Mamuto, Athi, TJ Miller, uh, John Gallagher Jr. And other people we don't care about. <laughs> Ouch. I don't care about them. They Ouch. only had like five minutes of What if of one of those time. actors are listening to our <laughs> podcast? I'm then. sorry. Guys, but next time push for a bigger role. <laughs> uh, so what do you think? I'm a little torn about it. I'm torn too. Um, 
Which is funny because originally we saw this trailer. I was like, up, skip, like, <laughs> pass, well, yeah, hard we pass. had already given Kristen Stewart a chance with some other movie. And it's I, like, ugh. I don't like Kristen Stewart. And the trailer was really corny, mostly yeah. for the fact they used the title of the movie like four times in the trailer. Um, <laughs> but then I kept hearing all, when it came in theaters, all these people kept saying, all these horror people especially kept saying that it was this great, like, aliens kind of uh play and that it um and the big thing that everybody said which i agree with is that it moves super fast yeah like it never drags which is true but that also kind of um it's good and bad it is because pacing wise it's great because you're constantly moving forward there's constantly action happening which is excellent but it also means that i don't i didn't really understand the stakes and didn't really never got to a point where I understood the relationships between these Yeah, you don't really care cared. about them if they yeah. die or not. Correct. Because the movie opens, Kristen Stewart's like brushing her teeth and there's there's like a two minute scene and yeah. then things go crazy. Like literally within the first three minutes the is when the facility, like you don't get, most of these movies like The Abyss or something, you'd get like 20 minutes where you get to learn who these characters are, what they're doing, what their jobs yeah. are, why they're there. Yeah. You don't even know what each one does except kind of Kirsten Stewart. Like she's good with all the she's technology. Like engineer, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of, she it. can open doors. <laughs> yeah. Um, but which is kind of cool. I mean, it's unique in that way that like it literally jumps into the action, like yeah. almost immediately, which is kind of interesting and different, which for a movie like this is fine. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely felt like it was missing a bunch of character stuff. Well, yeah, you find out she like had a fiance who died and then you don't really care about it. And there's no like moment where you think maybe she'll have to do what he did and overcome her loss or whatever. I, like that I never completely forgot that that happened because also yeah. her current boyfriend dies almost immediately. Well, too. She didn't have a. She was dating the, the first captain? guy. Who di- no, the first dude who dies. Which guy? The only black guy who dies in like the first five. How do you know they were movies. dating? Because they were. He they didn't even know her name. That's not true. It is true. Are He's sure? like, are you so and so? Like, I don't uh, remember. Yeah, you're right. I was hundred <laughs> percent sure that it's see. Yeah, like, this is. Part I thought of the maybe her and the captain had something going on. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, see, this is the problem. <laughs> yeah, right here, that we're very fuzzy <laughs> on the relationships of these characters. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of weird rushed stuff with like. Yeah, and then there's like that abandoned like extra dig site where like right. you feel like you're supposed to care about what she's she, finding. She escapes the creatures yeah. and shows up at this place, this abandoned mining site. And they, they reveal it. Like it's this big thing. Like, Oh, they've talked about this yeah. site and they have not. Yeah. To my knowledge anyways. Um, and the worst part of this movie is TJ Miller and his little stuffed rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Which that was the, that was what I was going to say is like, that was supposed to be a placeholder for them to replace with a real rabbit, which is why everybody treats it. Like it's a Very real delicately animal. <laughs> and like, Oh, it's so cute. And they didn't replace it because they thought it made TJ Millard's character more interesting. Like it's not. He was sort of, he's dumb. Or, I, don't I don't know why they even bothered. Yeah, well, to he's an asshole in, in real life. So, Oh yeah. The other thing I hated was like, Remember that when they go down and get in the suits and his suit, like there's something written on the back. It's like, these suits are for every, it says like, we're all mad down here or something. Oh yeah. Um, and I was like, well, first of all, like it's supposed to show us that's like his suit, but like this suit is for everybody in this entire complex. So like, why would they personalize these suits? There's for a these lot people? of little things like <laughs> yeah. that. But if you stop for like, a that second, doesn't make sense. <laughs> if you stop for a second to think about it, 
there's a lot of little things like yeah. that that are like, that eh, doesn't really make sense. And my biggest pet peeve, which we kind of talked about before, was that Christian Stewart wears glasses in the first two minutes and then she just suddenly <laughs> yeah. doesn't need them for the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what happened. It's like, glasses, why even but... give her, she like steps on them mm. when she's running. It's like, don't give her glasses. <laughs> yeah, just don't. yeah, that's not even going to be a plot point. Yeah, or show her put contacts in. Yeah, it's not, it's not like <laughs> later in the movie she had trouble seeing stuff and that was like a big yeah. conflict. Yeah. They could have used that. Yeah. Like that probably would have been smart like she doesn't know if there's creatures around because she can't see them like that could have been more interesting um i liked i i it was funny i spent most of the movie thinking the creatures were kind of generic yeah um but when that one creature starts to like swallow her in her suit whole, yeah that was, I was cool. like that's super cool and the giant creature's pretty cool too yeah um i, I mean, feel like they went a little too big though i don't know it's supposed to be like a like lovecraftian cthulhu kind of thing i think yeah um yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool... I think the horror atmosphere of this is great. Um, and they do a good job of... They keep that, like, suspense and tenseness to it the whole time. Like, because yeah. you're always in these, like, point-of-view shots in their in their suits that are really, like, unnerving, like, found footage style. And then, you know, there's, like, something outside the doors that you can't see, you can just hear. Like, there's a lot of good, like, atmospheric stuff going on, for sure. Um, and the pacing, like we mentioned, is yeah. great. But yeah, plot-wise, there's a lot of problems. Yeah, so I gave it three stars. Yeah, I was on the fence between three and three and a half. I ended up with three and a half, but... And it is on HBO. I'm glad we saw it for free. I think this came out like right before movie theaters shut down. It and did, we kept yeah. putting it, it off was and like off. And it's like, well, oh well. February or January, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I would have been fine probably seeing it at the discount theater next yeah, to us. it was okay. It probably would have been better to see in a theater. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it is. it does good suspense and, like, some horror stuff. But, yeah, plot-wise, not much there. Yeah. Yeah, and they acted like, in the trivia and stuff, they acted like there was, like, this big thing about how it was supposed to be, like, the company knew what was down there and the company was purposely trying to break that. Yeah, that, that would have been interesting, yeah, too. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. That kind of... I, for a moment, I thought that's what they were going to discover in the abandoned site. Because when they, she's looking at the map, yeah. I thought he, there was like little drawings of pod people. Maybe but there it, was. Yeah, but then it cuts away, so I don't really know. Yeah, like that would have been a really good and a, and an especially aliens esque twist, like the company. Being, yeah, you know, evil. Um, but yeah, I didn't get that at all. So there was good stuff they could have done, but they didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, kind of misses the mark a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for our second U movie, <laughs> you we day. watched Upgrade, which came out in 2018, directed by Lee Wanall. Um, you describe this one. <laughs> okay. I don't like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle's favorite actor, Logan Marshall Green. He's so annoying. Um, uh, I don't like Here him Here we either. go. A guy actor I don't like for once. Yeah. It's usually of, ladies. always putting the ladies down, but yeah, here's one that This Michelle, guy has no soul. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like him that much either. But, he's um, dead I do behind think the eyes. I think he's fine in The Invitation, but otherwise I don't, I hate him in Prometheus and I don't think he's very good in this yeah, either. Yeah, he's not. Um, so Upgrade is about a guy who, so it's like in a future world where like everything's controlled by computers. Everybody drives like smart cars. People have like cybernetic implants and stuff. Um, this guy, he's like very resistant to that. He like fixes old cars for a living. He like doesn't want to be on the grid kind of thing. Yeah. Then his wife, uh, they get in this weird car accident where the self-driving car kind of goes out of control and then they get robbed at gunpoint and they both get shot. She dies. He is paralyzed. He becomes a quadriplegic. And then basically uh, this 
super rich guy gives him the opportunity to um, have this computer chip implanted in his neck that will give him control of his limbs back. Yeah. But turns out that also implants like a computer in his brain that is like telling, it is like talking to him and telling him what to do and taking control yeah. of his body. And he's like, am I going crazy? So basically <laughs> that's a complicated setup to basically become what it becomes is death wish with a cyborg guy. So he's basically trying to get revenge and figure out who killed his wife and why. Yeah. And the computer in his brain is helping him both in the detective work and also making him like this crazy robotic esque fighter. Yeah. Kind of guy. Um, this was another one I I'm very on the fence about. I have, there are things I really loved and things I really hated about this. Yeah. I thought the action was cool. The like sci-fi stuff was good. The acting left something to be desired. The acting is, well, here's the thing. <laughs> At a certain point in the movie, it occurred to me like, Oh, I get it now. This is like a terrible B movie, but with like a humongous budget. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's essentially what this is. The acting. I feel like, I mean, I don't like this guy very much, but I feel like it's, it's too bad to be like him really trying. Yeah. <laughs> like it seems like it's like that way on purpose. Like it's very cheesy to a point where you kind of have to just go with it. Yeah. Like, let me just say, there's a scene when this cyborg guy sneezes and it sends a bunch of nano sharp nanobots out of his nostrils into another guy's <laughs> nostrils that then go into his brain and cut his brain up. That's yeah. the kind of crazy weird, like, it like rides this line between being like super cheesy and extremely cool. <laughs> like mm. there's, it's like a weird line where it could totally be either one of those things. Kind of like drag me to hell actually. Yeah. Uh, they have kind of similar tones, I guess. It also, the super smart tech guy is obviously supposed to be Rami Malik, but they couldn't afford <laughs> Rami Malik. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we both had the same thought at the same time. Cause he sounds watching. just like him and kind of, like him and it's like Rami Malek was their top choice and he wasn't available very very clearly (laughs) he ended up winning an Oscar and couldn't fit in their budget anymore Bohemian Rhapsody (laughs) happened I guess um but yeah uh yeah I mean I don't know some of the action in this is awesome and I actually they do a lot of cool camera work with it too they do a lot of that snorri cam radiohead thing where the camera's like attached to the actor's body so it follows them perfectly and they do a lot of like cool um like uh motion matching stuff where like he gets knocked down and the camera like perfectly moves with him as he falls down and then like yeah. stands himself back up. It's really, it, that stuff's super cool. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of the fighting is, and, and the gore is like super gruesome. Yeah. And so like, this movie, I don't know if I'd call this movie a horror movie, but it's definitely horror adjacent. I would say more sci-fi it's, horror. It's like a hard R action More movie. sci-fi, but then yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, The problem I have most with this film is like the main quest of the film is pretty pointless as soon as they do their twist. Like everything that happened before it doesn't really amount to anything. Mm, I don't think that's true. Well, you don't, there's no motivation behind it. Like there is, but not for who we think. I know, but it doesn't matter. Like, well, the thing I don't get is like all these cyborg people, like, what was their goal? Like, did they want him to join their weird army? That's, like, that's fair. Like I, all of those people. Question. I don't know what the point was. After. I know they got hired to kill him and his wife, but I don't know why they continue to go after him. That's after what that. I mean. Yeah. That's a good like, point. Like the motivation behind them. Maybe just doesn't because make sense it anymore. might just be because he started killing them. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Some really crazy 
cool and funny i fun ideas but yeah. then yeah i have to wonder if this movie didn't take the b movie approach and took it a little more seriously it might be a really great movie yeah it could be but instead it's just sort of this odd mix of tone yeah but i don't know it sort of worked and sort of didn't i also have to say we watched this on the fx app <laughs> which was extraordinarily <laughs> frustrating. Well, it used to be streaming on Prime or something. We missed our chance and it's like, oh, yeah. God. And yeah, like, I don't was, want to pay to watch this. Was, <laughs> I mean, there were ads, which is kind of annoying, but fine. But it kept buffering and freezing up. And then it was playing it at like, uh, I don't know, like 100, yeah. like 120 It was like, is this part of the like, You couldn't even tell what's happening. It was like, yeah, it was really frustrating. It took us like two hours to watch like this hour and a half yeah. movie because we can't have to refresh it and fix it. I didn't know it was the same guy who did Invisible Man. Yeah, though. I told you that like five times. <laughs> I know, but you know, my brain don't work. Brain don't work. You need an upgrade. <laughs> a magic brain. <laughs> <laughs> you shall need that computer. So brain. I wonder if he just used this somehow to leverage that he can like make a movie look cool. <laughs> and then he spent all his brain power on Invisible Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to say whether I could really recommend this i enjoyed it it's fun like if you want a mindless just sci-fi horror movie watch it yes i agree just don't totally think agree. about the plot points that yeah. hard <laughs> just, I, yeah i just wish the dialogue wasn't so terrible and just imagine <laughs> rami malik just close your eyes and picture him as yeah. the bad guy <laughs> uh, i gave it a three and a half i did too uh so our next movie we watched was Straw Dogs. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, Straw Dogs. So this is the original Straw Dogs, 1971, directed by Sam Peckinpah. I don't know if he's done anything else. Peckinpah, kidding? that's a cool name to say. Oh, he did Wild Bunch. Yeah, we talked about that. We did. Again, brain no work. <laughs> so this is, stars Dustin Hoffman, Susan George, Peter Vaughn, and what's his name? Donald, wait, Robert Keegan. He's the one from The Omen. No, it's uh, David it Warner. Was. David Warner. Oh, well, who's Robert Keegan? <laughs> He's in Doctor Who. Um, so Dustin Hoffman uh, plays David Sumner, who moves to the English countryside with his wife um, into her childhood home to escape a hectic lifestyle where he can focus on his mathematician book or theories. Boring. Yeah, he's a nerd. <laughs> Big nerd alert. He wears sweaters. Um, and then sort of the brutish men of the village and including Amy's old flame, Charlie, start to taunt and escalate the tension surrounding their home. Yeah. Kind of. So basically they set up right from the get-go that Dustin Hoffman's character is a... He's totally emasculated by these, like, hard-working... Yeah, rural, like, country... Right. Guys. He's like a city, American city boy, and these are, like, hard-working, rural English ruffians. Yeah. Uh, or what was the word from our... From earlier? <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. remember. Um, brigands. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh... Yeah, so they set that up. Oh, by the way, this whole movie, I kept expecting his wife to start singing the, the Wicker Man seduction song through like the wall. Her. Yeah. <laughs> she was like her and very Bridget Alicia Bardot. Vikander. Yeah, yeah, she actually, yeah, I forgot we said that when we were watching it. But um, yeah, but yeah, I don't want to give away too much. But yeah, it, there ends up, there's sort of a, uh, I don't know, I don't know how much to give away. 
There's a there's a pretty serious rape scene in this well, movie. Well, that's in the description. Okay. Like that's the plot point. But um it's not really a rape revenge movie because Dustin Hoffman's character is Which a, is weird because this is describing that the sexual assault awakens a shockingly violent side of him. It's like he doesn't wrong. find out about it. They must be confusing it with the remake. That fundamentally misunderstands <laughs> yeah. what this movie's about, I think. I bet I, it's the remake description. Yeah, you might be right because to me the whole point is that he doesn't yeah he doesn't understand what she's if he going understood at all. yeah it would be a totally different and in movie. fact <laughs> the only reason he suddenly starts to become quote-unquote a man and starts like defending her is he's not defending her he's defending this other guy who is potentially accused of raping right. and murdering a girl like in the he town. does he does yeah. very little to protect his wife from these men who are very obviously like leering at her and treating her poorly yeah and when this guy comes into their house who they hit, they hit him with his their car. Fair enough. Like yeah. if I hit somebody with my car, I'd want to Make do sure what I could okay. to help him out. <laughs> True. But these villagers are like this guy, very likely missing. molested yeah. and or killed this young girl, and he's Give already been us. in jail for something we don't really find out what. Right. There's some sort of past where this guy maybe molested a young girl or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he'll he goes to insane lengths to protect this guy like destroying yeah. his house and risking yeah. his life <laughs> to protect this guy, but really didn't do any of that stuff to protect his wife. Yeah. Um, I feel so bad for the wife in this movie. <laughs> no it's kidding. just like pair this with never rarely, sometimes always like yeah. <laughs> how to be a woman in this man's world. It's like, so funny, especially after having seen the wild bunch, which I wasn't crazy about, but I expect this to be like, all right, this is going to be like manly man movie. Like yeah. this is about a dude, like, like doing what needs to be done. <laughs> and it totally the opposite. This movie, I'm calling it straw dogs is a feminist movie. <laughs> well, or if not a feminist, I don't movie, know about feminists. It's a movie that exposes misogyny yeah. in all forms. Yeah. Because you get it on like every level with her. Cause she's like, eye candy a piece of meat yes. for most for pretty much everybody including her husband right um and then she's undervalued constantly ignored uh she's like a prize to be won between her old flame and the new flame yep. and she's just like totally like i mean she's physically mentally emotionally just like destroyed yes throughout like they they kill her cat. <laughs> That's true. It was shocking, and I hated that scene. And had it's hard to cover to come back Harley's from that. eyes. Yeah, <laughs> but like knowing that the people who are fixing your home probably killed your cat doesn't do. Dustin Hoffman's character doesn't do anything about it. He's like super. He's like, I'm not going to go blame them and accuse them of it. It's right. like you won't even ask them like if they did it. <laughs> and the wife is just like, you see what they're doing, right? They're trying to get like. I don't know, showing that they are dominating over you. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's very violent in the end. Too. Extremely violent. Yeah. Um, I thought this was fantastic. I liked it a lot too. And I've seen the remake and I'm pretty sure it does go the opposite way mm. where the husband does know that his wife was attacked and that's his motivation to get revenge. That seems like the very easy way to take this plot. Yeah. And um, I think Alexander Skarsgård is the country fling yeah in that one what a weird movie to remake yeah with cyclops <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i thought this was really good we bought this on criterion the dvd yeah we the, found it half off or yeah, whatever half price books. we got it used <laughs> for five dollars <laughs> totally worth it uh yeah 
I gave this uh, four and a half stars. I gave it four because I'm sad the cat died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it kind of looked like Harley too yeah, without the white socks. The cute cat. <laughs> so yeah, I would recommend Straw Dogs. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, next up is another one we rented from Videodrome. Yeah. Another movie that should be a classic, but I've somehow never heard of. I guess it just doesn't get released. I don't know. The restoration it needs. Uh, so that was The Driver, which came out in 1978 and directed by Walter Hill. This ought to be on Criterion, man. This seems like it's better. Or at least for a like Criterion. a Shout Factory or something. Yeah. Um, so basically, The Driver is the original Drive with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. that, that That's it, the best it, way to sum it up. In the same way <laughs> yeah. that Itanya borrows a lot from To Die For, yeah. dry, uh, Drive borrows a lot. From this the is driver. almost a straight remake, I'm sure. Um, but the driver is, specializes in driving getaway cars for robberies. His talent has prevented him from being caught yet, but a um, detective is basically entrap- trying to entrap him oh, yeah. to finally catch him, played by Bruce Dern. Uh, and he promises a pardon for a gang if they help convict him. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in this movie, so it's kind of hard to sum up quickly. Basically, there's like a heist that is meant that is a setup to catch this driver. Yeah, like that's the simplest way to put it. So Bruce Dern plays the detective, and he has awesome curly hair. He's super <laughs> snarky and sarcastic. And he'll and do whatever it takes to get him because they called the driver the cowboy. The guy's like, I don't yeah. work with cops, and he's like. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you hadn't have said that. And then it also has Isabella Ajani. Isabella Ajani. Who plays kind of the like, what's her? All the, the characters player. have, yeah, she's the player. So she kind of is involved in the first robbery and then gets involved with sort of other little odd jobs because she needs the money. Right. Like she mostly she's paid to be a bad witness. Yeah. To like witness something, but then say, no, I don't recognize him. Yeah yeah um yeah the driver is ryan o'neill which i i'd actually never looked him up i think he's in he's in barry linden and i'm trying to think Mm. is he barry linden (laughs) but like i don't i think he is he is barry linden barry linden isn't on the screen you should be asking (laughs) where's barry linden so yeah it's been a while i didn't even recognize him but yeah he's barry linden hmm so I've seen, seen him that. in that. And then he's also in Knight of Cups, but I don't remember him in all of that oh, movie. That Terrence Malick movie? Yeah. Hmm. And then his other most famous movie is Paper Moon, which I've added to my watch list. I've heard of that, Because yeah. it sounds kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, this movie is super stylish and badass and Some great car scenes. Some of the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When we were, we were watching, we watched a fair amount of car chase movies not yeah. that long we watched french connection and bullet right yeah and i don't know how this and the movie, car yeah <laughs> duel <laughs> i don't know how this movie didn't come up when we were watching those because this movie has i'm gonna say it has way better car scenes than either of those any of those movies yeah and there's like a comedic car scene oh like- my god <laughs> but the best scene in this movie is so amazing basically these guys <laughs> these gang these uh robber guys try to hire the driver and they're like, uh, we never worked with you before. Can you show, or, or he's like, this car is a piece of crap. We can't, yeah. we can't we're going to have to use a different car or whatever. They're not, he's like, all right, just let me show you. Yeah. And so he gets in the car and first he like shows off. He's like driving on this parking lot, doing all these crazy turns yeah. and <laughs> stuff and not hitting anything. 
And then he starts to like surgically destroy this car. Yeah, like, he like rips off back. the front bumper, rips off the back bumper, rips off uh, like uh, mirrors, he doors. Cl- he clips every <laughs> um like fire hydrant thing uh, in the parking yeah. lot, like just barely, <laughs> like doesn't, doesn't like total the car, but systematically wrecks each part of yeah. it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like one of the best cars. The best I've part. Ever he seen. just opens the door and then reverses, and the f- door flies yeah. off. Yeah, and basically all of this to just say like F U C K. I'm not doing this job. <laughs> like it, this whole amazing scene. It's so awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's tons, there's like three or four really great car chases. It's yeah. so well done. That's um, probably the best part of it. Um, that I thought Bruce Dern, like I'm trying to think of like the actual detectiveness. Like, I don't know. I think it's fun. I mean, he's a, he's a great like villain cop. Yeah. Like, you know, he's entrapping them and he's even like horrible to his fellow cops. And they're all like, you're breaking the law to get this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. like, are you going to lose your badge? <laughs> he's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. This is like exactly what you want out of like a 70s stylish crime movie. Yeah, exactly what you want. If they I'm trying to remember if the music was good, but if they like redid it. the music Real where jazzy. it was like. I don't know, like drive music over it. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I gave it four stars. I did four and a half. I love this. I We've watched a lot of good movies so far. We did, yeah. This month. <laughs> uh, it's not streaming anywhere. We nah, had to rent too bad. it. Yeah. So go to your local video store if you have one, I guess. Yeah. Um, so next up, let's go in a completely different direction. Um, I watched on my own the only like the on only movie own. I watched by myself. Here we go, man. Uh, Santa Sangre, aka Holy Blood, directed by Alejandro Horowski. I walked past it a few times. <laughs> you sure did. It was interesting. And so I was like, oh wow, that lady's arms got cut off. <laughs> um, so let me let me try and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna read what it says this movie's about because it's crazy. Uh, a young man is confined to a mental hospital. Through a flashback, we see he was traumatized as a child. When he and his family were circus performers, he saw his father cut off the arms of his mother, a religious fanatic and leader of a heretical church of Santa Sangre, and then commit suicide. Back in the present, he escapes and rejoins his surviving and armless mother. Hmm. He becomes, he basically becomes his mother's arms so that she can get revenge on the people that have wronged her, which turns into just also just killing anyone who she thinks is like a threat to the relationship between her and her son. Yeah. So like all these women that her son likes, like basically she uses his arms to kill them. It's crazy. The like, like every, (laughs) but it's funny. That sounds totally insane, but this is by far and away the most coherent, least abstract, the movie I've seen. I have blocked Holy Mountain from my memory. Did you watch El Topo with me? You'd like I that, think I, I started. You and should I was like, not, not have watching. watched Holy Mountain first. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say Holy Mountain is one of the, is, is particularly difficult, but this was definitely the most like straightforward, which sounds funny because uh, it sounds insane. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but it's really like a, it's a horror movie, and it's interesting because uh, on top of it just being like super well um, production designed, like all of his stuff is great locations. They're shot really interestingly. Uh, all these really cool uh, just sets and stuff. Um, but it's just like a straight horror movie. Like it's like a slasher. Yeah. And it ends up being a really interesting thematic idea that like 
it's like basically this guy's done all this horrible stuff and he's got to come to a realization at some point that it's his own hands doing the killing, that it's his fault. Mm. He can't continue to blame it on his mother. So it's like this whole thing about like, you know, blaming it on your pat, blaming terrible things that you do that have consequences. You can't just continue to blame that on your past or on your upbringing. Like at some point you have to take personal responsibility, uh, which is surprisingly like sober, uh, theme for such a crazy sounding movie yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it's, it was really interesting I w- it was a little too long i think it's about two hours which is any kind of like abstract experimental movie i think 90 minutes is already pushing it um so it's a little too long but uh i the idea is really brilliant and it's super well executed like all of his stuff oh and to make it even more interesting being edited it's a movie about a child killing for their parent I'm pretty sure, I'm 90% sure that the star of this movie is Alejandro Jodorowsky's son, <laughs> Axel Jodorowsky. Um, so that makes it especially interesting. Um, but yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I gave it four stars. It's on, currently it's on Tubi. So if you don't mind watching Tubi. the ads, you can watch it for free on Tubi. Um, so yeah, I thought this was really cool. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I will probably never watch it. Yeah, it's not, not your kind of movie. All right, so I watched another movie by myself, um, Happiest Season, which came out like a day ago, <laughs> uh, directed by Clea Duvall. So, Wait, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it. Wow, how did I not know that? Every single movie you watched that this month, <laughs> I didn't know the director, and when you mentioned the director, I was shocked. What? <laughs> Is this her directorial debut? Uh, I don't. No, I think she's done some other stuff, but it's probably her biggest one. Hmm. So it stars Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Allison Brie, Aubrey Plaza, Dan Levy, Mary Holland, Victor Garber, Mary Steinberger, bunch of bunch of people. Yeah. Um, and basically it's a rom-com that focuses on a young woman's plans to propose to her girlfriend while at her family's annual holiday party. Um but it is upended when she discovers her partner hasn't yet come out to her conservative parents. Uh oh. Uh oh. This sounds like disaster. Um, sounds like a great idea. So, us, yeah, Mackenzie Davis plays rom-com. the closeted straight girl to her parents. Yeah. Um, and Kristen Stewart is the one who's planning to propose. So, I've got issues with this movie, unfortunately. Again, I kept hearing, like, oh, it's going to be great. It's like great to have a, uh, a lesbian rom com. Uh, so I was like all for it, but it just doesn't work in my opinion. And I've is one of the problems with it that it would be nice if it was a lesbian rom-com that didn't have to be about somebody coming out. Kind of. <laughs> that would be nice, I guess. Um, but that kind of drives the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. So I guess you can't have that. But the problem I had was it's not that funny. And like this cast is great and there's a lot of great characters, but I feel like they don't use their full potential. Mm-hmm. Like Aubrey Plaza, I she usually plays like the weird kind of funny person. She's just like a normal person with like a few lines and it's like, you guys are totally underusing Aubrey Plaza right now. Mm. Um, also this is the second movie this month I watched where Kristen Stewart brushes her teeth. That's weird. <laughs> um, odd, odd movie, double yeah. feature to, to do, but whatever. 
Uh, so yeah, I felt like the talent was kind of wasted. And then it's also hard to root for this couple when one of them is totally awful. Which one? Mackenzie Davis, oh. the one in the closet. No, not like acting wise. Like oh, her know. character is like forcing your partner to hide who they are. Like she can't even be gay in her family's house. She has to be like her straight roommate. Um, oh, okay. And so that creates a lot of tension and stuff. Um, but then she like is constantly flirting with like her ex-boyfriend and like won't tell anything about her past. So like Aubrey Plaza was actually her first girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but then totally lied about it and how they broke up and stuff in high school or whatever. So like Kristen Stewart kind of finds that out from Aubrey's character herself. Hmm. Um, the yeah just never stand sticking up for your partner and stuff it's, i don't know she's just not a good person that's too bad because <laughs> it's funny I, I always remember it was a really funny review for that it was actually for that always shine movie where somebody was i think one of the reviews said like even if Mackenzie davis was was in the act of murdering me i'd still be like oh you're doing great <laughs> sweetheart <laughs> <laughs> So that's too bad that she's not a very likable character because she plays likable characters and and vulnerable and likable play, uh, characters very well. Yeah. I just, yeah, it didn't work for me. That's too bad. But I might not be the audience it's directed at. So yeah, who enough. knows? There's probably stuff I don't understand. But also Dan Levy, he's um from Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Uh, Eugene Levy's son. Right. Uh, like I feel like he, he was supposed to probably be the comedic relief, and he didn't even get that much screen time. Hmm. Like that would have been he should have been more involved. I think. Well, Michelle, I applaud the fact that you keep seeking out these movies that should that would be awesome if they were great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not gonna let the trolls keep me down. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, everyone makes fun of Mackenzie Davis's wig in this and I'm like, mm, yeah, I noticed that the first scene. I was like, this it's not a bad wig, but her the hairstyle does not fit her face at all. Mm. It's just like bangs, long brown hair. It's just like this. after we've seen her with short hair in so many movies, it's just like she should have just had short hair. Like, but then somebody defended it. They were like, they had to give her an awful straight woman's haircut because she is still in the closet to her parents. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty weird haircut. It doesn't yeah. really match her look. Kristen Stewart's hair is cool. Yeah. I liked her hair in underwater too. <laughs> or, or lack of. Yeah. And then like, uh, Alison Brie plays like a really stuck up B I T C H sister which is kind of a weird role for her too. Yeah. Cause I guess I've only really seen her in community and like scream. I guess she was kind of one in scream, the publicist. <laughs> yeah. I uh, forgot about that. Yeah. But yeah, she's too like totally like straight and narrow. This doll, like, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of wasted talent in my opinion. Uh, it's probably fun to watch maybe with more people. I don't know. But yeah, I didn't find it that funny. Whoa. You're skipping over a major Plot point of this movie, Michelle. What? Mackenzie Davis's name is Harper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a movie where Mackenzie like... <laughs> Davis plays Harper, and I didn't know about it. I yeah. mean, I knew about this movie. I didn't know. Are you a straight, <laughs> I didn't know her closeted name was woman? <laughs> so, yeah. This is that's not the second movie this year we've watched where somebody was named Harper. I think so. It's I don't always remember a woman. the first one. <laughs> Sorry. Well, what? Yeah, what was the other one? I don't remember. I feel like there's always kids named Harper. 
Yeah. I well, in our know. real life, there is a kid named Harper that we've met, and that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I would probably recommend it if you want like a f- rom-com that, I don't know. A lot of people watch this with their, it's a holiday rom-com. If you're into holiday movies, I guess watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't think of any good holiday rom-coms. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, three stars is on Hulu. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up with one more movie. You are next. That's with a right. Y. You are day. <laughs> uh, we've seen this movie before, but it's been a while. Yeah. And we decided to watch it because I, I saw Barbara Crampton tweet about it on Thanksgiving. I was like, oh, that is, I think that is a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. I still don't remember when we were watching if it's actually Thanksgiving or if it's just a big family dinner in the winter. Um, I think it is. I think they have a turkey. It could certainly play for Thanksgiving. And they say what they're thankful for in do a they? scene. Okay. I think they do. If they do that. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure like, it's I'm thankful we can all be together. <laughs> um, this movie's kind of great. You didn't say the year or who directed it or what oh, it's about. Okay. <laughs> movie is You're Next, directed by Adam Wingard from 2011. It is about, uh, I'm just going to go free, free load, freelance on this one. All right. All right. <laughs> It's about uh, this uh, guy brings his girlfriend to a big family dinner, Thanksgiving maybe, and um, let's just commit with it like is a Thanksgiving. Big, with his big rich family, <laughs> and at some point during the dinner, uh, one of the guys gets hit with an arrow through the brain through the window. <laughs> All right. Well, you're not saying who that guy is. The guy is Ty West, <laughs> the director of House of the Devil. So, okay, well, let me finish saying what it's about first. Um, and so then it becomes like a slasher movie and they're like, or more of like a home invasion movie, I guess. Yeah. And they're trying to survive one or more killers that are outside trying to kill them in the house. And then of course there's some twists and turns as it goes. Yeah. And the main girl is actually grew up on a survivor yes. survivalist compound. So she is really good at killing people. That is what makes this movie special. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I was going to say, Half of the cast of this movie are horror filmmakers yeah. <laughs> and or horror directors. Larry Fessenden, Adam Wingard. Um, well, no, Adam Wingard's not in it, but he directed it. Um, Ty West, Joe uh, Swanberg, um, A.J. Bowen. All these guys are in in and create tons of horror movies, which made it... I didn't know that the first time we watched it, I don't think, which makes... There's a scene when Ty West's character is saying he's an underground filmmaker. Yeah. And Joe Swanberg, who's also in real life an underground <laughs> filmmaker, is like... He's like, does that mean it's underground? Does that mean that the <laughs> festival takes place underground? Like, he's he's like, like, oh, you should direct commercials. Yeah. Commercials are great. I think that's really the peak <laughs> of filmmaking. <laughs> it's really funny when you know who these people are. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, but Aaron, played by... What's her name? Um Sharni. Sharni Vinson. Um her the fact that she's like an extraordinarily capable she's extraordinarily capable of surviving this <laughs> <laughs> and killing the bad guys makes this a particularly interesting home invasion slash slasher movie. Yeah. Uh, because it's not it becomes more about them trying to not get killed by her <laughs> uh so it's this really great twist to it and then there's uh, there's a little more to it that i don't want to spoil um and the way this movie ends is so spectacular and satisfyingly yeah. crazy um yeah it's all it's kind of awesome um so yeah i i like this a whole lot more this time around i did too and i don't remember 
I remember working in the movie theater when it came out and seeing the ending a few times. Mm. And maybe that's why I was just like, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. But this time I didn't remember any of it. So I was like, oh, this that is helps. cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of good gore. And what else? It's not really creepy, I no. guess, or scary. It's mostly just gore. It's mostly just like, yeah, very gross kills and stuff. Yeah. And I do like the twist. That you kind of find out halfway, three fourths of the It's way almost through. like there's uh, there's couple twists because it's like yeah. it's a twist on who these killers are, but then it becomes more there's more to it than that eventually. Also, they play one of my favorite songs over and over and over again, which maybe we'll have that exit music. All right, it's a, yeah, which is a brilliant. There's a brilliant way to basically use your extremely limited music budget. Yeah, they use one copyrighted song, and it's because people in the beginning of the movie get killed right after she puts a CD on. Yeah, and it just on loops repeat. every time they go to this house, the neighbor's house. It's on repeat. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. And it, and it's thematically, it works really well. It's really cool. It's also kind of funny, like one of the brothers. The well, like, yeah, like we said with the commercial filmmaking mm. and stuff, but also when he's like t- always taunting his other brother, he's probably the funniest one. Joe Swanberg, yeah. yeah, he's really funny in this, he's yeah, like, he's like <laughs> always uh, muttering un- stuff un- under his yeah, <laughs> under his breath and like egging his brothers on, yeah. Don't they even get in like a fight at one point? Yeah, the, the first scene that he's in, he's like, <laughs> like it's sort of, sandwich yeah, he's like kind of messing with them <laughs> and they get like really irritated, yeah, <laughs> it's very funny. Um, Erin is a horror heroine <laughs> for sure. She's not a final. I'm going to say she's not a final girl. Yeah. She is a horror heroine. Um, but yeah, I think your next is kind of great. And yeah, I, I didn't it realize is. it the last time. Um, this would be a great Halloween movie to watch with a group. It'd yeah. Be a ton of fun. Um, so yeah. Oh, and yeah, Adam Wingard has directed a bunch of stuff. Some of which we've seen. Let me see. Uh, the guest, the new, I love the guest. The new Blair Witch. Um, I love the Blair Witch. <laughs> he did parts. I don't remember which segments he did in VHS and VHS 2. I want to say his, and I might be totally wrong with this, but I want to say his in VHS is the last one where they go into that haunted house and all the crazy stuff starts happening, which is really cool. I just saw what he's doing, the new Godzilla movie, Godzilla and I hate that King poster. Kong. God versus King. It's like, come on. <laughs> Hail to the God. I King. heard that's going to go straight to streaming, I think. Is it really? I'm pretty Boy, sure. Boy, that's depressing for them, I'm sure, because that should that could have been a massive movie. Probably. Yeah. And they're Too worried. Bad. People are worried that means it's the end of the Godzilla franchise. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> I don't know. Did King of the Monsters get good reviews or not? We didn't like it, but... I don't know. I don't know. Um. Anyways. Yeah. I don't think it's available anywhere, but it's worth renting. Yeah. I want to... I would like to own this movie now. We paid to rent it on Amazon. Oh, we forgot to um, talk about Barbara Crampton, though. Oh, She's yeah. supposed to play, like, this older mom slash almost grandma, and she looks way too young to be playing this role. I like that... Um, like, she injects herself with, like baby jeans i, I like know. that yeah barbara crampton is <laughs> so blood <laughs> has not aged has aged so well that they basically have to keep making her look older yeah like movies. wear a cardigan put your hair up yeah she looks too young <laughs> yeah. to be these characters she she's could be like sometimes. one of the it's daughters kind of in this her and, her and uh lucy lawless have got some kind of pact with the devil yeah going on. i don't know and i'm all for it yeah <laughs> but yeah your next is great i kind of wish she had been in it uh more yeah she kind of just plays like the she's like distraught. the very frail yeah well yeah they like say she's has like mental issues too yeah but yeah she's got to lie down a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Uh, but I, I gave it a four star this I time. I did too. Cool. So that wraps up our monthly roundup. Watch out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now we're going to dive into our mini segment, which mm, where do it's kind of going around Twitter right now for since Thanksgiving, but like our mini segment, we're going to talk about a few films that focus on best food scenes in a movie. So we'll get your t- tummy rumbling. We'll Rumble be, the we'll be right back. <laughs> oh my life. So the first movie that came to my mind thinking about best food scenes has to be Hook uh, with the food fight and like the imaginary food. It sticks out in my mind so much. And I think it does for a lot of people. I saw it trending Mm -hmm. um, because it's like so colorful and it's like just huge globs. I have always wondered what that food tasted like. Yeah. As a kid, I was like, was it mashed potatoes? Let me say I was, I was obsessed with hook as a kid. I haven't seen it in probably 20 years. I don't want to see it because I always hear that it's actually terrible. Oh, (laughs) Um, I love hook. I did too. That's why I don't want to watch it. Um, but when they all start like banging their like silver on the table, yeah. like bring us food or whatever. Yeah. I used to do that as a kid. I got me in a trouble. I used to do it too. <laughs> I think we learned some good lessons. Yeah. Good food manners. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're all eating like those big, like colorful, like blobs. Like it kind of looks like ice cream or like something whipped, what whipped cream. I don't know. I don't yeah. Really know. Tastes like rainbows. I want to eat it. So yeah, that was the first thing that popped in my mind. It was like, Oh yeah. Food hook. Well, <laughs> first one that popped in my head is a, Tampopo because that entire movie is literally about food. Yeah. It's all about ramen and eggs and soup and omelets and everything else. Yeah, uh, you have to be eating when you watch that film. It's kind of like Great British Bake Off. Like, yeah. as soon as you start it, you're like, oh, I really want some ramen. Tampopo makes me so hungry. You know what? <laughs> I didn't even think about Parasite. Yeah, that's Ram-dom. a great one. That made us right. really hungry too. Ramdon became an act like. I'm pretty sure Ramdon was not a real thing. Yeah. Until, <laughs> not really until uh, after Parasite. And now it's like this phenomenon where and everybody's trying to make it. And I guess peaches too. Think about peaches a lot. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, two good food scenes. Um, I also think of Mrs. Doubtfire when he's like, dinner <laughs> is served. <laughs> Followed by, it's joking, it's joking. <laughs> Hot jambalaya. Yeah. It's like, is he even eating hot jambalaya? It doesn't Boy, look like jambalaya. Poor I thought Pierce he, Brosnan. Yeah. How could you get along in life having a pepper? What is, was he allergic to pepper? pepper? Oh my god! Peppers in everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Why would you order jambalaya if you like? Yeah. Pe- <laughs> you eat pepper. <laughs> my god! All jambalaya is, is all kinds of peppers. Yeah. I always Give thought it was like shrimp. Maybe it was a shrimp that. Well, some jambalaya out. has pepper. Like, I mean, has a uh, shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> hot jambalaya. I was gonna say. Yeah. Also. Run by fruiting. Yeah, that movie's full There's of great food. There's a lot of food. food. <laughs> oh, um, and the whipped cream, one clump or lump or two. <laughs> man, that movie's all about food. I never realized it. Yeah, is oh, it a yeah, Thanksgiving you got film? You got your sugar too. <laughs> uh, Maybe not. No, it's a birthday at the beginning. I don't yeah. think it's a holiday. <laughs> uh, God, I love that movie. Um, <laughs> some other good ones. Let's see. Oh, one you mentioned that I 
I didn't think of, but it's a great one. The in Goodfellas, yeah, when they're talking about how they're making food in the prison, yeah. And the guys, <laughs> I'll never, I would think about this every time I cut garlic or use like whole garlic, they shave the garlic with a razor blade. Yeah, he's like, it's so thin, it just dissolves when it hits the pan. <laughs> that always makes me very hungry. Prison spaghetti, spaghetti. Um, you also <laughs> mentioned one that I can't believe I didn't think of myself because I love it. Is in the Matrix, <laughs> yeah, when Cipher is out. And he's in the restaurant in the Matrix, mm. and he's like, "I know this steak isn't real, <laughs> but it's thick and juicy yeah. and delicious." <laughs> they talk about food a lot. Isn't there a chicken line? It's like, is there? He's like, everything. Oh. Ta- who decided? But that's why everything tastes like chicken. Yeah, like- <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, yeah, and they all eat that like nasty gruel. And yeah, it's like the, oatmeal or in the real world. Yeah. Gruel. Um, I also always think about Jurassic Park. It's another that. That one scene also reminds me of Hook a lot, where it's like just this oh, huge they're all eating feed. All the as soon as they get stuff. back, it's like ice cream and Jello and desserts and stuff, Spend and they're just no like expense. picking out. And then I, the Jello shakes. <laughs> I love the way that Laura Dern eats that ice cream in that scene, yeah. and she's all concerned. Everything bad's happening. Yeah, yeah. that scene's fantastic. <laughs> well, let's talk about the other scene. Well, later there's on. T- both of them. Yeah, the Jello one. Yeah, and they eat when they with the around the like table before they all. Yeah, go it's like out, the fancy and soup yeah. and stuff. It's like, what is this? Yeah. Spared no expense. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. What about uh um oh what's his name? What's the kid's name in Matilda when he eats the cake? Brucey. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um <sighs> I'll give you one that's not on this list that we wrote out. Here's one is for how we all felt at the end of Thanksgiving dinner. Uh the Barfo Rama in Stand By Me and when he eats all the pies. Oh, yeah. forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's definitely how I feel after holiday meals. Yeah. And then also, uh, you've seen Christmas Vacation, right? Yeah. That's a, they cut the turkey and it's like, it puffs <laughs> out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, how long did you cook this for? It's like totally barren inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, and one of the relatives makes like the, uh, like weird jello pudding thing that has like weird lumps in it i don't remember that fruit cake or something (laughs) um what else we got uh there was a good meme going around the other day about wallace and gromit where it was like girls don't want whatever that meme is where it's like girls don't want whatever girls want the cheese and crackers from wallace and gromit (laughs) (laughs) what does the moon taste like (laughs) gromit we forgot the cheese yeah (laughs) michelle really does that by the way the thing that wallace does where he's like ah and he's like shaking his hand what do you expect if you watch that like a hundred times as a child like that's like a natural natural. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, there's lots of other good food scenes but yeah, those are the ones that stick out the most. Mention a few since we're all. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about Parasite. That's like yeah, that's a good one. Made us hungry while we watched it. <laughs> yeah, I guess a lot of Bong Juno's movies have food scene, like the whole yeah. thing in the host where they uh, are cooking the squids and he keeps eating the tentacles oh, before yeah. he gives them to them. So every Bong Juno memories of murder, yeah. they go to that meat restaurant. They go to yeah, a eat few meat restaurants. before you speak <laughs> Korean barbecue. But yeah, um, any other last thoughts? Uh, no, I hope everybody had a really safe Thanksgiving. And look, I'm not going to shame you. I'll shame you. 
but <laughs> I hope you stayed at home and did the right thing and, and stayed safe and uh, watched lots of movies and ate lots of food yeah. by yourself. This is what we did <laughs> at we, a safe distance. We cooked a gigantic <laughs> meal for just the two of us and then watched your next, and it was great. Yeah, <laughs> a good way to spend the holiday. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's it for this episode. Don't forget, you can always see a list of all the movies we talked about on our letterbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at Splice Podcast or on Facebook at Splice Together. Let us know what you watched this month or any food, foodie movies we missed out on. Yeah. Or we should watch while we eat. Um, but anyway, see you next time on another episode of Splice Splice Together. Together.